I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and learn how you can support this and other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Well, 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 look what the cat dragged in. Who am I? Well, that's a very good question. The answer is complicated, but um, in brief, I am Galdap. Math magician and wizard, master of seeing the unseen in the unseemly. Mm-hmm. Why, yes, you've stumbled your way into the Dungeons and Doritos Q&A. Recorded September 24th, 2014, the nefarious simpletons behind Nerdy Show gathered for a live call-in. Interacting with fans online and over the telephone. This is an audio podcast which they recorded during the event. And you'll be able to view the entire show, including some special moments with a puppet version of the Dragonborn Jamela Della Egbert III uh, online shortly. So stay tuned for that. But um, as for now, why don't you uh, sit a spell and... An old girl laps knee and take a, take a load off uh, while the Nerdy Show crew goes uh, behind the scenes and answers all your burning questions. I'm Cap, your host, and this is the D&D Q&A. We're going to be talking about Dungeons & Doritos, Nerdy Show's epic tabletop role-playing podcast. This is our first ever call-in event. We're going behind the scenes and in character and in depth into our long-running show, which this year celebrates its five-year anniversary. Let me introduce who we have with us here. With me is our Game Master, Rule. Hello, I'm Rule. And for the first time ever, Ryan McQuinn, the composer of D&D Score. Hi, pleased to meet you. And online, we got Colin, who plays Barty and edits the show. Among other things. <laughs> and also, Kyle, who plays Dean the Mighty. That's me. Hey, guys. 
All right, so this is a live call-in show. We'll take some questions from the forums right now while we're waiting for a call. This one is from Armadon, and it goes to, uh, to Rule. He wants to know, in GMing, have you ever created no-win situations that the players have challenged to the extent that you're forced to revamp the situation to make it winnable? Every situation I create doesn't really have a win objective to it. These are events that are just going to happen. It's more fun to me that they try and figure out a way of resolving a, a situation or a problem without me having already predetermined that. That being said, there's been the occasional role or something that I've made. I, I just look at that and there's just no way I could accurately represent that result on air. I mean, there's just no way that that could happen in that particular way. And, and then that I might change the situation to kind of fit something a little bit better, but that's all based on die rolls. It's not going to be because they've painted themselves into a corner and they can't get themselves out. So I'm going to reach down and pluck them out of that situation, put them somewhere else. Right. So when we were on the Isle of Mages and fighting the golems, who very nearly killed most of us. Yes. Was that an unwinnable situation that we were meant to, you know, run away from or no, 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 you should have run away, but I didn't design it in such a way that you have to die here or run away. I, right. I, yeah, I don't believe in that. I think um, you just kind of throw things at people and they'll figure a way out of it. Especially after chair got hit, everybody looked and was like, oh, damn, we can't get out of that. <laughs> and they, they realized, okay, we got to do this in a different way. But as far as I'm concerned, there's always a way of winning. I'm just not going to tell you what it is. And I'm kind of curious to see how you figure out your way around it. I mean, I, I constantly forget that we have like soften earth spells. Right. Sometimes I, I, I look at the way the players come about with their resolution. I'm like, damn, I'm, I wish I had thought of that before I designed this encounter. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think that far ahead of myself. We got a call coming in. I believe it's uh, Jerry. Yeah, speaking. How you guys doing? Doing really good, man. You're the first caller. Holy shit, really? You hit the jackpot, Tiger. Oh my gosh. So... I got a question for Rule. Okay, Actually, sweet. A couple of questions. Rule, are you over there? Oh, yeah, man, hit me. All right, so I know they had, they had uh, messed up your D&D sessions on a few occasions. Now, the first one, I guess it's two questions here. Okay. Uh, the first question was back in the uh, Labrador, when they first went over, <laughs> they were facing that evil godlike demon lizard, and they had definitely gone in no direction you had thought possible. What was your original plan to defeating that monster? Like, oh, I, we know easy. there was the, there was the cave that they never visited. Mm -hmm. <laughs> VMAC got close when he turned back, and I have a feeling there was something going on in that cave that they might have visited, if they might have seen if they had gone that way. There was. I can't remember what that was. Um, <laughs> essentially, essentially, I don't have a plan. Like, I, I don't plot out what the what the players should do or what they shouldn't do. The way mm -hmm. I've designed adventures and, and some of our adventure books and stuff like that, these are events that are happening regardless of who's involved and who's actually there. And the only thing I'm planning is what are the bad guys doing? What are the other people around the story doing? And then the player characters are just there to work against that and mess that up. So I don't have okay. a, you have to do it this way in order to win sort of thing. It's just all of these events are, are taking place. You guys are in the middle of it. What do you do? How do you screw with that? And it's a lot more fun. I mean, when they raped those gnolls. Not literally. Figuratively. No, yeah, figuratively. <laughs> when they just beat the tar out of them, I was just giddy. So I, I didn't feel like we had lost out any opportunity when they didn't go into a cave, when they don't do this, when they don't do that. I'm just thoroughly entertained by what they did do 
Exactly. Like, well, shrinking, it came out of no, and I loved that. That Yeah, it actually just beautiful how they caught up with what they were doing and then just said, okay, this is what would happen at that kind. So I think you handled that wonderfully. Thank you. Because I know that was in no direction that they had possibly planned on. So Yeah, I've played a lot of games where the, the Game Master pretty much had us on rails. This had to happen in order for this to happen, and I hated that. And, yes. uh, you know, I think it's every player is a part of the game, including me. It's not my game. It's not my story. I came into this in the middle of the show. None of this is mine. I have no ownership of this whatsoever. I'm here to have fun with you guys. And so this is my idea of what's happening in the world around you. So bake a cake or cut off heads. I don't care. I just want to see you do it and have fun doing it. Man, I should really I would try love to, to see them bake a cake. Yeah, I should try to break I it, bake a cake. I that up already, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> Did that answer that? Yeah, that's that's actually answers that question. The other question was, I know that you had planned on either Team A or Team B defeating one or the other, and I, they allied, yeah. which, you know, was creative. But what was, and I, I know there was a support perk, and I don't want to ruin any spoilers for anyone who may have not picked up on that support perk, but we know it clearly went in one direction. It, it definitely went, you know, that support perk went, and it was completely different. I was wondering what were the situations of if Team A had totally obliterated Team B, what was going to happen, or vice versa. If Team B had obliterated Team A, there would be tears. I would miss Jamala. <laughs> but there, <laughs> what was going on there? What was the plan behind that guy? I am going to disappoint you by saying we have no idea. My, my, <laughs> I personally stress out a little bit about it. But I thought it was just too nice of a situation to just pass up. And we just had to see what happened. And then we would just worry about it there. And just kind of let things go organically. But I expected at least three people to die. And I was really surprised that only one survived. And I did not really want only, them to only make... one died. Yeah. Right. Yeah, only <laughs> one died. Yeah, that was kind of disappointing because I thought with this big climactic clash, Mm-hmm. You know, and I really didn't want the team to come together like they did, but I'm, you know, I'm not going to stop it. But that, to me, that just seemed too Marvel versus DC or something, you know, like <laughs> the Avengers versus the Justice League. But at the end, they all make friends and save the world together. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. What the, yeah. <laughs> so, but you know, I, I think it happened the way it did because it had to happen the way it did. And I think everybody played their parts right. And, you know, at the end of the day, it seemed like a, a fun story anyway it was it was a great ending i thoroughly enjoyed it it was a bit of a nail biter yeah um, absolutely it, it came down to a, to a major climax mm-hmm. i just recall that uh the perk uh it was just a little different so i was wondering like what was what was going on i um, liked both stories they were both great the episode 25 that that never happened which is the uh the full non-canonical dungeons and doritos support perk you get for supporting the show it's basically an extended narrative of what happened if the two teams just cooperated a bit more and the drama that would have been there and if they'd gone a different path in Tole. It was really bleak, but no one died. It was just kind of a bunch of stupid battles that were not the final battle. They were not the clash with the man in black. We we're just treading water, basically. So we went back to the drawing board. I remember that. Yeah, we were just kind of like, no, 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 that's not how that should happen. We we went outside, we we picked a fight we shouldn't have, and got stuck in an episode's worth of battles that went nowhere. (laughs) Yes, that was essentially it. And again, it goes back to that. I'm just going to let things happen the way they happen. I'm not going to railroad you into it. But if if you're going to go down a rabbit hole, 
then you're going to meet rabbits and I'm not going to change I'm not going to change it just because you know you screwed up that's not my fault I, I still want to see what happens <laughs> but yeah at some point we just got to say okay this is really not going anywhere and people want to see something happen and I mean emotionally speaking from the other side of the card when we created the B team we wanted to face adversaries who were player characters we wanted it to really mean something and mm-hmm. that was really the only intention that we had going into that and they were the good guys. Right. And and yeah, and <laughs> they, they, were the established guys, they yeah. were the good guys. <laughs> yeah. When we recorded that episode 10, like the the finale of book 1, and we we mentioned that there were silhouettes in the distance. Like that was an idea that Mike and Rule and I had been kicking around for a while of like, you know, we should set something up where we'll meet some characters later on and they'll be mm-hmm. chasing us. And we didn't know that we were going to come back in time and all that and meet them exactly then. That was we had no clue. We just thought we'll just we'll set something up so down the road We'll keep an eye out. We'll find some people who would make a good team for us to fight. And we didn't really, you know, we didn't want anybody to die. We just accepted that there was a chance that it could happen. Yeah, uh, I remember the Facebook post of, oh, good Lord, somebody just died. And I was one of those people who thought, oh, no, not Barty. <laughs> <laughs> you were one of both of them. <laughs> He's such a glass cannon, you know. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> He's fun. Yeah, so I was one of the people that thought, oh, no, that, that's Barty. Sorry, Barty. <laughs> it's a shame that we lost Krath in a lot of ways because Krath was a character who was set up to be, you know, the one who knew the party from before. And we're going to see that explored in the uh, in the comics a little bit, which was what Mike and I had planned for quite some time. That, but Mike had this idea that bringing Mazarow in a role where he could uh, return to the show, not as a game master, and that it would somehow retroactively explain some of the eccentricities of Cher's character, like his class and other things didn't really make sense in the long run, and, and that he could tie it back in with Mazarow as a player character, kind of commenting on the on the transition in a lot of ways. I, I know it's, it's, what I've just said is very is kind of confusing, but uh, it, that sense. was... In print. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm sure, I, I was just thinking the same thing. It'll make more sense as, as we read it, I'm sure. Yeah. I wish the the comic was was done and out, but uh, but it will be. And there's prequel stories to be told and secret origins that are not particularly significant, but interesting. Very interesting. And there's there's a couple there's a couple secret origins that I really want to be public. And I'm kind of I'm kind of curious what you're referring to specifically, but I guess we can't say. Any thank yeah. you, thank yeah, you thanks, for the Gary. questions. Uh, oh, hey, my pleasure. Thank you guys for hel- holding this. That's awesome. Next. By <laughs> <laughs> the way, Jerry, we're moving on. <laughs> have, have a good night, man. We will uh, we'll talk to you soon. Hello. Yeah, who's calling? Uh, this is Brad Snow. Hi, Brad Snow. What's shaking, man? And what would you like to know? Me and my friends, we play Star Wars as the Empire, the Star Wars role playing game. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of hoping to make it into a podcast much like Dungeons and Doritos and Ghostbusters Resurrection. Yeah. I was curious, what programs do you typically use to record your games and what kind of like equipment do you typically use? Well, I can tell you what we started with. And because if I told you what we have right now, you'd be like, oh no, I can't do that. <laughs> that requires generously donated support money. Yeah. What, what we started with was a, uh, a very simple four-channel mixer, the kind you, could, you can go to like the sound department of like a Sam Ash or Guitar Center and, uh, and pick up. And we had a couple pretty rudimentary mics, but they were ones that had XLR inputs, so they were, you know, like stage-quality microphones. But there's a lot of ways to do it. The, the challenge with Dungeons & Doritos, the reason the first episode sounds so terrible is we never mic'd for something like that before. We didn't have enough mics, so we turned them all on like wide open so they were capturing all the noise on the table and just hoping we could hear everybody. 
obviously that's a terrible idea and you shouldn't do it. <laughs> what I would recommend, uh, knowing what I know now is one, either hooking up with a friend who's got a studio background or Uh-oh. you're going to be hooking up with people for uh, microphones and stuff. Well, maybe is that what you said. Yeah, I would recommend it. <laughs> All right, do what you got to do to get the deal secured. I get you. <laughs> or I would say invest in a Zoom H2 or similar thing. It's basically a very versatile mini recorder. It's got uh, two channels, four channels. You can set it to be in a number of directions, but it has a good omnidirectional thing. It's, it's actually what we use to record the um, well, the E3 podcasts. Yeah. So if you like the if you like the sound of the E3 podcasts, and that's a really good place to start then that's a where to go. Yeah, it has a good room sound. The trick is to make sure it's sitting on something that's like a, like a high-density foam so it won't pick up much table noise because as soon as people are like bump, thumping their hands on the tables or, or doing anything that you would probably do with a role-playing game, it's going to pick up some a bunch of noise you won't want. And that records to an SD card, so then it, it imports as a wave, and you can edit that on anything. What, what we used in the early days was a program called Audacity, and it's free, but it's also terrible. So... <laughs> Such a true review. Get what you pay 100% for. 100% true review right there. <laughs> Free, but it was also terrible. But it did do the job that multi-tracking is talking about. It's very useful. Yeah. If you want to get versed in that, try one of those free programs just so you can see what it's like. There's also a way to get Adobe Audition 3.0 for free from Adobe. I don't know if it's still going on, but basically Adobe was making it available because it was an older version of the program. It also happens to be the most stable version they ever made, and it's what we use to record presently. So we're, nice. we're using it this very moment. When they first bought Cool Edit, Cool Edit Pro, that's what that came from. They transferred Cool Edit over to Adobe Audition, and that was the first version of that. And then each successive version of Audition has been a stripping of all the features of Cool Edit and then adding them back in one at a time. <laughs> Uh, Ghostbusters yeah. Resurrection is recorded with a single mic over a table. They, they used a, a boom setup to uh, to record from above. That's another option. Of course, it's a little precarious with scaffolding mm-hmm. and all that. But um, for role playing, when you don't have the opportunity to individually mic everyone, which is expensive and complicated these days, I would say what's available with micro recorders is so good and you can do so much with so little. I'm talking about like 120, 150 bucks and you'll have everything you need. It's mm-hmm. it's totally worthwhile, and it has a really great kind of surround sound presence to it. You just miss out on some of the clarity of moments. I do recognize that, you know, in D anD D, you definitely know who's talking at all times, and that that is what that is really important in an RPG. If they are individually mic, but that's obviously much later. We'll probably try and do something with like either the micro recorders or get some sort of uh, multi-directional microphone, kind of like the boom, because mm-hmm. we all play in one room together. Yeah, either is a very valid option. Also, if you could have somebody monitoring the sound, if whatever it is that you're using has an ability to monitor the sound, that's great because then you can tell if somebody needs to come closer or they need to move further back or they're being too loud and modulating. But don't be the GM at the same time. That's just too much to do. Yeah, that's a bad move. Uh, <laughs> How much actually gets edited out of the um, finished episodes? Oh my god! It's like a, you have just no like idea. Ancient talk. <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny. Just I like take- the moments that are like canonically messed up. Like, no, you just said that guy had a broadsword. Oh shit! All, right. <laughs> All yep. of that can't be done. Then hold on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then we just have a nice clean take of broadsword. Broadsword. Then- <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, 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 and just keep somewhere else. Pulling things. But, but um. 
edit, as far as editing concerned, the way that we do it is pretty specific in terms of editing out all the verbal pauses for the most part and obviously cutting out some of the table talk or some of the longer pauses or some of the what we would call like off panel or, oh, we're not this discussion isn't for the air or whatever it is. And we'll edit that stuff out. Typically, you will record for three to four to five hours and then it cuts down to an hour and a half to two hours. So it's a very extensive and whatever you record is as far as editing is concerned, whatever you record, it's about double that in terms of time to edit at, at the very least. Um, and that's just cutting things out and not editing sound effects and music and stuff. Okay. Yeah. It, All right. Well, thanks, be for pretty the, intense. thanks for the advice. Of course. Mm-hmm. Thanks for asking, man. Glad you called. All right. All right. Who's next? I am. Ryan. So, so Colin, if, if you record a, an episode for six hours, you're sitting there editing for 12 hours before you even get to any sound effects? At the very least, yes. Yeah, man. Wow. That's commitment. <laughs> you're my That's hero. That's why everybody's like, oh, D&D takes forever. Yes, it does. It takes a long time. Wow. You know, now I feel bad for only planning the games like 10 minutes before I show up. <laughs> <laughs> I should put more effort yeah. into my end of things. Yeah. And then you're like, and then you're like, oh, what? I, I'm really excited to see what this sounds like. And you do this crazy fucking thing where I'm, and you hear all, and you talk about how you hear all these things. And I'm like, oh, damn it, rule. <laughs> What's really bad is that the first time that drove you nuts, I didn't even know you were putting the sound effects in. I was just describing them. <laughs> And then after you complained the about wave, it, I'm like, wave, oh, I the wave I am, of fire. Yeah, I am going to keep doing. Yeah, the big tornado of fire and stuff. Yes. Oh, yeah, that was fun. That one was pretty difficult, but fun. Although I do have to say, the first time I took over as as the editor was when we did the um the arm wrestling episode with the elves. Oh, and, bomb, oh. bomb. Yeah, that took. <laughs> I'm never doing that again. But it was really fun to do to add in all of that extra background foley and sound of all the French elves doing their you know crappy ass elf shit. Yeah, exactly. I had I had my wife do French dialect stuff. I I did some stuff. I looked up on uh, Babblefish, like all the different uh, what would be said and all. That. Oh, it was horrible. We got a call coming in. Hello. Uh, hi, this is username Delphi. Delphi. Hey. Oh, Delphi. We know you. Hi. <laughs> what can we do you for? I mentioned in the forums what my one main question is, so let, let's just get to it. I want to talk about character races. All right. The race, uh, you're playing the race card. Okay. Yeah, I'm playing the race card. Sega's doesn't have official character races. There are some vague rules set out in the Game Master's Lodestar booklet, but there's nothing really definite out there for character races. So I just kind of wanted to hear your guys' take on dealing with that when translating 4.0 characters or even just when creating brand new characters into the game. Basically, I just look at their stats and what they're trying to do for their characters, and then I create the races based off of that. So they're not very carbon copies of D&D. Plus, D&D's rules don't work with mine very well. No, uh, they don't. You know, we had to do a lot of twisting around for, like, how is this spell going to work and things like that. So I looked at each character, you know, if it's a toughness or a stamina or a physical stat, why is it there? For, like, VMAC, I think I made him a giant race because you have the different sizes for your races and those alter your stats plug right. that one in and then just started adding more based on his upbringing and things like that D does some really weird stuff with their attribute 
bonuses and modifiers and stuff like that, I don't really agree with. They make it, in some cases, very cultural, and that implies that this elf always grew up like other elves. Yeah. And any of that, I would strip out. And then I would just say, okay, they're going for a muscular guy that can take a lot more punches to the stomach than somebody else. So I'm going to give him more strength. I'm going to leave his stamina alone. That Those two will balance out and then maybe give him a little bit of a toughness boost because his higher strength is already going to give him a, a boost of toughness. So it wasn't like you were doing things like translating, I guess, like dwarves have a poison immunity or something like that for, no. for all their drinking and you didn't translate that for a chair or anything like that? No, that's just ridiculous to me. <laughs> I, I love Scandinavian and, and Nordic folklore. That's where dwarves and elves come from. There is nothing in there that says that they can't. D&D is based off Tolkien. Tolkien is based off of Nordic and Welsh and Gaelic and all these different you know, Northern European mythologies. Dwarves are actually just short, dark elves. Uh, there's nothing about them being able to, to do that. So I, I think that translates as a higher toughness or a higher stamina versus an immunity, uh, just a blanket immunity to poisons. Uh, th- if that individual, however, trained themselves to develop an immunity in- to poison, you know, that, that seems but viable. That, but specific poisons, yeah. Uh, another thing is, like, I'm very realistic when I'm dealing with my elves and orcs and stuff. Right. You know, you could develop an immunity to a specific poison, but not all poisons. Give me some time, and I will find a way to poison a D&D dwarf. <laughs> Okay, I will make some calls, and this is going to happen. You know, they are not immune. It just can't be. So, yeah, there's certain things I just look at and say, fuck that, I'm not doing it. It's just stupid. I'm being kind of harsh to D&D, but, you know, D&D can justify the creators and the people that do it. I had dinner with Arnonson. I mean, he's a great guy. Who's that? One of the co-creators of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, And he kind of flirted with my wife. It was great. Um, (laughs) But they have justification, and I'm sure they could argue the point and maybe even win that point. But to me, it just seems silly, so it went out the window. So you were just kind of focusing on what the character was going to be when you were dealing with character races rather than what the character comes from. Right. I mean, how are they born in, in that physical aspect of it, but not where do they come from culturally or anything like that. Right. That is part of your character creation process. So if your elf grew up in a dwarven cave, he's going to do things differently. You know, elves in my game system, you know, I haven't officially released anything like that, but they have an ability to use natural magic, but that's inherent in them. And dwarves have an ability to use runic magic that's inherent in their physical ability and I'm not sure how I justified that when I did it, and I'm just kind of stuck with it now. But um, <laughs> immunity to poison, or you know, they're just naturally smarter because they, you know, they're blessed with a higher IQ. I have to justify that physically, not just throw that out there. Because if I want to make a dwarf that grew up in a dwarven cave, he should act like a dwarf. I mean, Cher was a dwarf <laughs> that was a piece of furniture. That was, there was a lot of attributes in D and D that just don't mesh with that. Dwarven no. American. Yeah, actually, actually, he was a he was a completely different race. He wasn't even dwarven. He was a dwarf who used to be a chair. That was the race I called it. And his natural racial ability was to turn into wooden things. Yeah, right. So, so you were using like the warden skill as his racial thing in that case. Oh yeah, that's actually surprising. Why? I hadn't really expected that to be something that was part of his racial thing as opposed to something that you put into his that he spent skills on 
Well, that would imply that Cher really thought about learning skills. <laughs> and that was another problem I had with coming up with like chairs sort of thing. And, and, and Saga's not having any classes. They have, you know, you have archetypes, but I don't see chair studying real hard to learn how to use magic. It's, no. You know, because he came from a chair, he had already had this magical ability in the, not getting into chair's history too much, but somebody contributed to him learning it and mastering that natural ability based on a warden's knowledge and experience of it. That's actually pretty cool. That was more satisfying than I thought it would be. <laughs> oh, no, a D&D fan. Here we go. <laughs> Delphi, thanks so much for the question. <laughs> Overclocked After Dark says that they have a question they're going to call in with uh, when, when we're in the clear, and they promise it won't be horrible. So uh, I look forward to that. <laughs> Setting the bar high. Yeah, I mean, that should be, that should be Steve-O, probably. You guys joined up and started the D&D music crew. Take us through uh, book two. Ryan, what was it like when you started this whole score division? You and I had just been introduced via Nerdy Show host Luke McDuffie in a parking lot of a recording studio, and obviously magic happened, but I'm sure that was kind of unusual. Finally. <laughs> Is that Steve-O? We did yes, it. Yes. Hey. Jesus. It's so hard to get through to you guys. You must be really popular on like 4chan or something. Hey, well, this is perfect. I was just asking Ryan about, you know, getting things started with the score. And here you are. This is fucking great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. This is the first time I've seen what he actually looks like. And he is dead sexy. <laughs> <laughs> well, when that happened, I, it was my first chance to actually uh, do soundtracks for anything. I've, I've always uh, done more playing in bands and stuff. But I always had a passion for that and like uh, orchestral music and that type of thing. And so it was a great opportunity for me. But uh, my, my equipment and knowledge of how to make it actually sound good at all was very limited. Everything I'd ever recorded up until then always sounded kind of like it was in a can. And um, so really, it's been fantastic for me because uh, with Steve-O's guidance, I was able to find out what's actually out there and able to, as far as samples go, to be able to make things that, that sound good and not just be like, Hey, listen to this part I recorded, and imagine if it was recorded by someone that knows how to make it sound good. You know? <laughs> and so, so it's been a, a fantastic journey for me. And then, uh, as each episode requires different types of things, I have had to record types of music that I never would have thought I I would do. So it's really just been a fantastic learning experience for me. What's been the most difficult thing that we've asked you to do? I, and this goes for either of you guys. Uh, oh, what do you think, Steve? You can go first, man. It's fine. Um, I seem to have to try whimsical track several times to get them right and I'm still not sure if I've gotten one right yet. We're going back we're, to the island. <laughs> we're, constantly, we're, gonna, we're constantly asking for whimsy. Don't um, so hard to for, nail. I think for me it was actually, and this is your fault, Cap, um, I can do adventurous music, I can do intense music, I can do rock, and I can do very obvious, like, softcore pornography music. <laughs> but when you asked me to do Jamela's theme and you wanted it to be mysterious yet sensual, that was a really, really big challenge for me. You nailed it, though. Yeah, but I mean, the thing is, it's just, it's so hard to approach that barrier of seductive <laughs> without crossing over into lewdness, especially when it comes on a medium that doesn't allow you to vocalize in like words. You know, obviously, I wouldn't want your theme to have lyrics to be seductive. It's not the same. Right. So um, that was a huge challenge. And I'm, I'm actually like, it's probably one of the tracks I'm most proud of working on with you guys for. So oh, I'm glad, man. I love Jamela's theme. I think you did a bang up job for listeners. Uh, one of the Steve's original versions is actually kind of like a techno dance mix of it. I've been sitting on it, waiting for this like perfect opportunity to use it. So we have a, a techno dance remix of Jamela's theme uh, out there. 
I want a copy of yeah. that. Yeah, you'll release it when I send you the version of uh, Never Gonna Buy You Lunch with lyrics. Yeah, I want to hear that too. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to the score real fast, I've never done this kind of stuff before, and collaborating on it was just such an awesome experience. I've never really tutored anybody, and I've never been able to work on something where, you know, they're describing the scene, you're adding to the imagination, but you need to nail the right feeling for the music. And it was never the easiest thing in the world. You know, you guys would send tracks back and say, no, we need this to be more mysterious. We need this to be less in your face. And it, it's, it was extremely difficult, but still one of the most rewarding things I've had a chance to work on. That's wonderful. I, I, I didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to get a, a, a team up? One more team up, uh, level 99. Oh, I'm, I'm sure we will. Um, Ryan right Sharp, now, I, I want to come back and I want to contribute once again at some point in the near future. I'll do my best to hold down the fort in the meantime, but... Um, You've done us... I've listened to your stuff. It's so good, man. You've grown so much. I'm sorry. I know this sounds like a circle jerk instead of a Q&A, <laughs> but... Um, I did actually come here with some questions. The first one is D&D Dungeons and Doritos has done so well as a podcast format. Will we ever see it in other formats besides the podcast and the comic book, like musical, animation, you know, play, anything like that? Well, I mean, that's the dream, isn't it? <laughs> the comics, we still got to follow through on a lot of it. We got a four issue miniseries that we're uh, egregiously behind on, but uh, it will resolve. It will complete and everyone will finally know what the party did before the first episode and how they all met up the pre-party um, yeah the pre-party <laughs> um <laughs> and uh for those of you who are unaware of the comic it's for sale on the nerdy show store nerdyshow.com slash store and we got a few left from the first printing we'll have a second printing as needed and then issue two is still not out yet coming soon but we do have an eight page preview which was uh, originally a convention exclusive but convention season is over so that's only a buck so you should totally pick that up that's also on the store as far as animation and stuff yeah i mean that would be that would be amazing D was our first radio play at nerdy show and since then we've done you know other radio play like content and we plan on doing more radio play style content because it's it's obviously it's, it's been very successful and we really love doing it it lets us be creative as fun as it is to talk about like the latest game releases that's where we have the most fun overall as doing all that that voice work and that improv and, and all that cool oh, yeah. brainstorming like lightning dogs and stuff like that so D could easily be an animation I, I suppose it's either in the hands of the fans to animate segments from the uh past episodes or you know if we ever had the funding to say get tony the opportunity to do an animatic we did a, a, a test trial of something where we might do more of we hope to do more of called Nerdy Bits not too very long ago where we took our interview with Travis Beecham, the guy who wrote Pacific Rim, and uh, turned it into this animatic animation thing. It was a lot of fun. It was a really cool way to make an eccentric conversation even more eccentric and visual, and we would love to do that with D&D. I mean, I don't know about a musical. We joked a long time ago about um, doing a musical episode, but that seems like a pipe dream. <laughs> like Just getting people together for the two Crunchmas tracks we've done has been madness. <laughs> Like, there's not a lot of musical aptitude on the cast, uh, <laughs> and so it's challenging, to say the least. Gotcha. And my second question is, with the new show, you know, the Friday Night Fan Fiction coming over to Nerdy mm -hmm. Show Network mm -hmm. now, if we get a fan fiction of Dungeons & Doritos, can we have the voice cast of Dungeons & Doritos <laughs> come on to do their voices? Yeah, uh, that goes without saying. I mean, like, if there's any greater reason for us to join forces, I think it would be simply 
so that that would be all the easier. <laughs> uh, okay. For those of you who are uninformed, Friday Night Fan Fiction, we've just recently announced, is uh, a new show coming to Nerdy Show in early October. And Steve-O is the, uh, the ringleader of the Motley Night Horse crew, and they get together and they read terrible erotic fan fiction and drink every time they flub a line, take the conversation where it shouldn't go, you know... <laughs> whatever that sounds great yeah uh it's a community participation thing so it, a new episode comes out every friday but every monday there's a live recording session where anybody including you know the, the fan community can jump in and read along with them and get drunk along with them <laughs> and we want to get drunk along with you so that was the reason for my question yeah no it's uh man i i you know i invite it and uh Every now and then, you know, I look to see if there's been any uh, sexually explicit Rule 34 D&D stuff out there. To the best of my knowledge, it, it hasn't happened. But, you know, when that has happened, then I'll know we made it. <laughs> see, now, unfortunately, I've got to go because I've got to open uh, MS Paint and take care of that obvious <laughs> lack of wonderful Yes. <laughs> yes. So. Do it. Thanks so much, Steve-O. It was awesome Thank hearing you. from you, hey, man. Good talking to you, Steve-O. Yep, it's always a pleasure, guys. I'll talk to you later. How about a question from the forums, Cap? How about a question from the forums? Let's see. This one is from Dumpstot, who says, Hi, guys. This is something I've always had trouble with, but besides the obvious answer of, you do it for the podcast, how do you manage to keep the group together and interested in the game? It's like pulling teeth to keep a gaming group together up here, but between Rule, Doug, and the rest of you, it runs very consistent. Please share the voodoo you performed to achieve this. Uh, oh man. <laughs> there ain't, there ain't no voodoo, my friend. <laughs> yeah. It's hurting cats and it's pulling teeth. There lies another reason why Dungeons and Doritos doesn't come out, uh, but, you know, every other month. And that's just the scheduling part of it. But I think a part of it was also the interest. Like, how, why does everybody want to keep showing up and doing it? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and I guess the, I mean, it's because we, in theory, every role playing game should be a really good time, but we, consistently have a really good time yeah uh, that is true there's only one way to do that and everybody's got to have ownership of it at the same time so the game master needs to step back and don't control the game or the story let the players kind of run rampant control what you can control and let the players just go nuts and if they go too far off the rails have a conversation with them but i, I mean i guess because we're joined together to do a show there's a little yeah. bit of a, a certain amount of control there like everyone who steps up to the plate says you know i have to do a good job i have to like not try to That's make this miserable true. you know we'll have characters that are munchkin like but not really out to ruin anything but i think everybody just needs to explore their own particular version of that story while they're playing yeah and have a good time has there ever been a player in any of these where you're like, oh, God, I know that you've talked about how you thought that Mike was going to be that way. And then you figure out how he was and you enjoyed how he ended up being. But is there anybody else besides Mike that you're like, oh, damn it. Why are they doing this? Yeah, but I don't want it to sound critical because it's not. Most of the time when I'm thinking that it's not like, the, oh, God, here we go again sort of thing. It's more like something cool is probably going to happen. We just don't have time for that. We want to be done before two o'clock in the morning, and then that player, typically Barty, uh, that character, is going to go <laughs> running off on tangents and stuff like that. And it's like, ah, you know what? This would be great, but not oh, but right Barty's now. so funny and lovable. He is. You no, it's let him awesome. Go on a tangent. And I'm not. I'm not just trying to be nice or trying to soften the blow by saying, you know, it would be really interesting to explore. It really would. Barty <laughs> is hilarious. 
<laughs> Barty gets into problems we haven't even thought of yet. <laughs> but we just don't always have time for Barty. And so sometimes it's just like, end scene. Let's go over here and see what Jamal is doing. You know? <laughs> right? We got Brian on the, on the line right now. Hello. Hello. I have a question for Dean. Hey. Oh, man. I want to know what Dean's workout schedule look, looks like. I want to know how <laughs> I can get big like Dean. Tell Dude, me. Do you want to get me. big? You want to get rough? You want to get rips? You want quads yeah. on your pods? You want <laughs> yeah. biceps when you flex? You want to do curls for the down. girls, bro? Curls for the girls? Yeah. Do you lift? Do you hoist? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, look. You're going to get ripped. You need to be half-orc lineage or better. I'm talking Titan. If you don't have stats on your sheet to begin with, don't even bother lifting weights. If you're an elf, do not pick up a broadsword. Bows are for you. They're soft. They're gentle. They sound like a musical instrument. Stay away from heavy things, all right? What race are you? Uh, not, not half orc. Maybe, maybe more like an elf. Maybe more like an elf. You're more like an elf? All right. Maybe, maybe, maybe you might want to stick to something besides lift, bro. <laughs> Some besides this. Like I said, no. I have to soften a blow now. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for it. Sure no problem, dude. Do you want to know my workout routine? Uh, my, sure. dean, my personal dean routine? Personal dean dude, routine. I go to a waterfall and I saw down <laughs> a bunch of trees. I saw down a bunch of dogs. Right? I get a dull broadsword. I have someone just have the logs coming down the waterfall at me. And then I split them in twain with my great <laughs> bicep flexes. It's awesome. You should start start with carrots in your tub with a butter knife. And work your way up to that, champ. And then okay, you'll be big. Yeah. Sequoia arms, dude. 44 inches around. I got right. lots of giant strength on my wrist. <laughs> I'm going to tell all my friends I'm going to get huge cutting carrots in the bathtub. Dude, man, I'm, I'm thinking about making like a protein milk, but I don't have any patents at the moment for that. You need to make a workout video with Dean. <laughs> Dean's workout weird. video, that dude. Great. It's, we can do that crystal. You still have the crystal? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we need a, yeah Dean. We need to get together. <laughs> I bet the wizards on the Island Mages would love it. No, they wouldn't. They don't exercise. <laughs> They're wizards. They're frail. They just magic couriers. That's a, that's a perfect market. Some of them might want to. They're frail. They want to get. You know. They want to get buff. Want <laughs> to get buff. All right. All right. I'm down. We should do that. Next it's, in-game venture. See, this is something that Barty needs to explore. Yeah, but yeah. see that, that we that, get some game time in again. That's exactly <laughs> what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and then Dean comes in and contributes in in, in Dean's way. And it's, it's right. that actually happens in recording, and it's like, okay, but we have things to do here. Everybody's oh, back to work. Okay, next yeah. caller. You know, when, when, when Dean, when Dean and Barty get together, it's it's uh, it's, it's fun. awesome. It's it is so it's much fun. Much War machine. Yeah, dude. No one can stop it. It's bloodless. It's insatiable. <laughs> I love how you can just tell a Dean story like it's oh, and everybody else is just dying around you and you're just like, yeah, and then, you know, cut carrots. I mean, what the hell? How do you do that? <laughs> Dean's Dean's like the Charlie Day of the group. Uh -huh. Charlie Kelly. I'm sorry. He's just odd. I've had a long backstory for him because he's like my actual D&D &D character from when I was growing up and having a campaign every Sunday and shit. I remember uh, you sent me that. 
Yeah. You were so very he's, emphatic he's about your access. Yeah, and you're sending me all this stuff, and I'm like, okay, but you know, it's like three episodes, dude. I know, dude. <laughs> Come well, on. I think, every, I think everybody has that level of dedication to their characters in the, in the podcast. I like that. I appreciate it. Dude, you pick it Everybody up. seems you to be able to do that. signs you were carrying around. Yeah. <laughs> Make this I happen. Needed them. Well, I mean, and that's, that's the thing. That's what we, when we were doing those B team episodes, it took us so long because we did want to assemble this ideal team of people who were already had characters ready to go. Yeah, they were established. They were the right fit. And so Mazarau and Kyle had been gaming together for a while, and so had Ruby and oh, Rosita. Yeah. So Relatrix and Izzy and Kraft and Dean were all based <laughs> on previously existing characters that they'd created and the, their own unique spins on them for Dungeons and Doritos, but they, they'd been lived in already. Yeah, those, those, oh, those yeah. histories happened, even in our D&D world. Whatever kind of twists or variations, but you know, I, yeah. I I just kind of figured, okay, if it happened to if you if that's what happened to your character when you played somewhere else, yeah, that's what happened. Barty's still upset that he hasn't that we haven't uh, hung out with Relatrix in a long time. That uh, Barty, I, I think he feels like back. I think I think he feels like they have some unfinished business. <laughs> <laughs> nice tangents. <laughs> now we need fan fiction for real. <laughs> Izzy and Trix will be back for sure. I mean, that, that's half the reason that we're, uh, we're recording book three the way we are with these more modular episodes. If there's any overarching story arc, then it will appear in a kind of organic way. It won't be like the chase of book two after oh, a certain point. God, like, I hated doing that one. I mean, it was, it was epic. It was No, great, it was but, fun, but it was so stressful. Like, because I mean, we, we were, cause we were, we were stuck. There were so few chances. Like, when we got over to the other continent, it was war, and we had to, like, get through that stuff to get to the wizard, to get to the chase, to get to. The no, it's just the logistics yeah. of yeah. being able to even do the show was everybody had to be able to show up, or we didn't get to do the show. Right. And that's, how, that's why book two took so long. Yeah. It was just that, that. I mean, no, the story and all that, that was fun. We, I mean, every episode, we knew something cool was going to happen, but. Getting everybody to the table was just like, uh, and then everybody had to make concessions. There was times where it's like, I really can't be there that night, but I'm going to make it happen somehow. Yeah. yeah. And I guess getting back to the dump stats question in a, in a way, it's just because we love doing it. Aside from, yeah. the, aside from the fact that there's, there's an audience hanging over our head answer. that we want to please. Also, we love doing it. Yeah, it's a blast. Well, I question, you know, I, it's, I don't think it's a question on the forums, but I just thought of this question of whether or not if nerdy show didn't exist like somehow like something didn't happen like the server blew up or the world ended or whatever well i don't know but we still have the opportunity to still play this game without the podcast would we still do it i would i would uh, you know what i think would be hilarious is everybody does it on stage <laughs> and i'll sit over here in this one side and then you guys all have your table over here and then they have a in, like a studio audience and we do it that way, and everybody's got to sit there for six hours for two hours worth of content. <laughs> so, you know, we'll have fun, but we'll punish the rest of the audience. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, other, other people do record shows like that, like Penny Arcade and so on. People who, you know, have the notoriety to be able to do a stage production. No, I was lying. I mean, I don't really want to do that. I, I, I think it. <laughs> You're so enthusiastic. <laughs> well, because I think, I think that would be a fun thing to do, but I think again we got logistics you could do it once or twice we could do it once oh, or twice ryan you could play the music live uh, yeah like old old school just with the piano <laughs> oh so man that would be awesome a live D with ryan playing music live i think that that would be, be so really cool fun. well then we need to i don't know 
jack up the D&D fandom to the point that we can be at that next level superstardom level like, yeah, of improv night veil vale level touring with a with a piano kind of you know situation yeah. <laughs> cool, i would though. do it i'd be i'd be fucking pleased as punch but you know we had to get there yeah <laughs> and True. we were talking about dean's workout yeah those mad oh, crunches yeah bro. oh crunches on crunches i got biceps on my abs <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> oh we had a call coming in Hello, hello. Who's there? Hi, my name's Marie. My husband, Kevin, actually listens to you guys a lot, and I had a question for you guys because he can't think of one. Oh, sweet. Okay. <laughs> well, hi, and all right. <laughs> so, have you guys thought of doing an actual D&D episode live like you're doing it now? Maybe not That's exactly we just with actually... callers and stuff like that, but have people see you roll dice and all that other stuff. It has kind of come up. Mostly, it's like, we're, we're testing this out, right? So, if we've succeeded in creating an infrastructure that we can rely on it's a possibility there's however one difficulty and that's uh, where where i become you i, you. I, I become You're the, problem. the problem i am the problem <laughs> and that is that we had this project where um the fans funded a jamella puppet who is going to be coming out a little bit later in the show and uh i love that D exists in the theater of the mind so when people listen to it and as they've been listening to it the past mm-hmm. five years it's all in their heads and the characters look like however they imagine them and so on and so forth. I like that Jamela and really all of our characters, but you know, personally speaking, I like that Jamela, my dragonborn character, can exist in people's minds and not associate my face with her so she can be her own entity. And that's, that's right. I, I think it would be really, really cool to do a stream like that, but I also don't want to sacrifice people's ability to imagine the shows. What you're saying is you prefer not to break the illusion of the movie in the people's heads as they listen to your voices. Yeah, exactly. And and it's where it's like it's it's difficult because like I think that would be really fun to do to like to show everybody, but at the same time it might be uh, a bad idea too. I I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think it would yeah. bring them closer to the table. It'd yeah. be like sitting at a table with people that play D and D in a way like that with that thematic element where people are switching into voices and stuff. Yeah, it's pretty audible. I think it'd be really fun. Cap, what about if we like put the camera over your shoulder? Like all we saw was the back of your head. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I play D&D and I get into character and all that stuff. And I guess for me, it would be no different than observing the games that I have previously in the past. But I get where you're coming from. I got two things to say about this. Number one, (laughs) if we did, if we did do a live one or like an onstage one or something like that, it would definitely not be canon. That way, we right. got the freedom to do whatever the hell we want to. We're just <laughs> playing our characters our way. You know, I mean, I would love to bring the torturer back. That would be where I would like to bring <laughs> him back at. Because I don't it, want it, you to bring him back, please. Uh, yeah, but please. he doesn't. He, he, yo, he's dead. He's not coming back. Are you sure? Yes, because he's something dead. could happen. You guys threw him into the. Ma- I mean, he's gone. Well, maybe he. Okay. <laughs> no, he's he's done. He's done. There's no comic book comeback. But I think it shouldn't be canon and we could do what we want and then that wouldn't destroy that illusion. The second thing is like, I can see where the point comes from, but I disagree with that point because I've watched every Batman movie that ever came out. Right. I watched all the Batman cartoons. I watched Adam West Batman, but when I read Batman, it's still my Batman. Those guys have never changed Uh, that for me. You know, it is my character in my head. That's my version of Batman and he's always going to be there. You know, that, that's, that's just, you know, that's, that's just, a pretty good point. Being able to, to 
differentiate between what you see in your head and what you'll see on the screen if you guys decide to do something like that. Yeah, I just enjoy that particular version of it at that time. And when we got everybody up on stage or, or on video doing it, it's just for that particular thing, and it's just for that story, and appreciate it just for that story. No, I guess it's a conversation that's open now. But, <laughs> but I, 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 I do, I do really personally like the idea of Jamela existing as a separate entity. She's not me. I'm not her. And puppet, do the puppet, okay. and then she'll be Jamela still. While I'm role playing, sure, yeah. Well, no, what you do is we'll put you in like in a ninja suit. <laughs> If that's the only thing that's going to hold us back, then, you know. We put, like, a black wall behind you, and then you wear, like, a full-on ninja suit, and then just hold the puppet up, and you don't have to hide behind a desk or anything. We'll just ignore the pajamas. That would tickle me to no end. Oh, my God. I think I'd probably throw money at that. See, Cap? <laughs> Look at that, You know, many have tried to throw money at it, and some have succeeded, but I don't know how feasible it would be to, uh... Actually, role play live uh, with an apparatus on your hand. But we could try it, you know, I wouldn't be opposed. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, you guys check on my bed. I'm going to go because I'm going to go tend to the children now. <laughs> uh, feed the younglings your yeah. milk. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bye, Jamela. Bye, Mara. <laughs> yep. That's what that just happened. <laughs> that was beautiful. Cap, they want it, man. They, they want it. to make it happen, though. We gotta make it happen someday. Dude, we'll I dress just, up we'll, as Dean. We'll film you for, yeah, dude, we'll you guys film have dressed up behind. as your characters before. It'll just be your over your shoulder. Yeah. So they'll never see your face performing Jamala. Well, hey, if we can set it up, then we'll set it up. He says reluctantly. Do we have any more uh, questions on the forums? We got tons oh, of questions. Oh, we got questions. tons of questions on the forums, mon frere. Oh, there's a call coming in for Jamela? Okay, well... <laughs> <laughs> you guys stall, and we'll see if Jamela's ready. She went back to her dressing room. <laughs> Hey, caller, you're on D&D Singles Night. What's up? <laughs> you ready to roll dice? Take a chance. I'm a DM that's got nothing to lose. You roll a natural 20, you're going home with Dean. Oh, yeah. Charisma check sealed the deal. Those are the lips of a negotiator. So is this the waiting room right now? Or are you? Am I on? Uh, you're, oh, you're on. I believe you're in here. Oh, fantastic. Sorry, guys. Yeah, we, did, we didn't hear your voice. This is Moran calling in. Oh! Wow, all the way from Lumberjack Country. Your voice exactly. is as sensual as I imagined your bronzed arms are. <laughs> I, I was about to say, he, he sounded slightly Canadian. So it's got to be. And how do you pronounce it? Just Moron. Moron. Oh, it's not Mauron? You were the closest. So we'll okay. run with that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. It's so good to hear your voice. Yeah, and uh, I guess it's your weekend to have me, Dad. So coming up, so that's awesome. <laughs> yeah! My number one son. How's my daughter-in-law? Fantastic. Your Canadian girlfriend is doing just well. This is super weird, Colin. <laughs> I have a special relationship with my number one son. That's right. That's right. We played SimCity together. We did. But I do have a question, though, that I wanted to pose to Jamala. Yes, Mauron. Um, what is it, my love? In your second most recent adventure, you had one of the most handsome, most muscular, most clever, eligible oh bachelors in Doritodonia. That's right. Offer himself to you. Why and how did you turn him down? Um, <laughs> I'm going to take a, a guess here and assume somehow you're talking about Dean. Obviously. <laughs> that beefcake is me. <laughs> here, Wait, did, you say, did he say the first or the second most eligible bachelor? Barty, come on. 
Your arms are like toothpicks. Look at you, bro. Uh, it's not the arms that matter, my friend. No, is it? It's the motion of the dagger throwing, if you get my <laughs> ah, Daggers are baby swords. Ah, you, gotta, here. you gotta stick them good, my friend. <laughs> These uh, dagger phallus illusions are <laughs> disconcerting and painful sounding. Well, uh, look here, Mauron. Here's the thing about Dean. Uh, <clears throat> tell me, have you ever been in the same room with him? It's pretty pungent. I haven't had the privilege. You have? I like to keep a, 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 a sheen of sweat on me at all times so that there's sort of like a voluminousness going on, like an oiled Van Damme kind of situation on the chest area. It generates quite a smell. <laughs> uh, yeah, to say the least, it is nary indescribable. And while some may fall prey to its musky qualities, it's not my spice, so to speak. I mean, let's get one thing straight here. Let's get down to brass tacks and pretend that Dean wasn't going to hear this. I mean, he's ripped. <laughs> he's super ripped. So buff. But <laughs> the rest of it, the whole package, the whole shebang, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, see, at first I thought, uh, uh, I probably shouldn't say this, but at first I thought when you were talking about eligible bachelors, uh, you were talking about when Lefty was gender swapped. Oh, boy. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow, she was in there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, nothing happened because we're just friends. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> All right, Jamala. Such fantasies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks what? for that, guys. I'll enjoy the rest of the show. Awesome. Feel free to call back if you have any other questions for me. Hey, Mauron, Ma- thank you for being so awesome. I know you're not on the line, but we absolutely love you. We love the fact that you are a monthly contributor and it's great to have you. And we love syrup. We do. Oh, man. <laughs> I think if you every time I eat subjects, uh, Rule, I believe there's a Put question for Doritos. me from, uh, from Barry I. He has some, uh, some love advice. My wife and I have two jobs and two kids. We don't have a lot of time or energy for sexy times. What are your suggestions for keeping our love life stimulating? Thank you. Ah, uh, yes. A stimulating love life when you have younglings in work. First off, Barry, I think you should ask yourself, why are you not putting the younglings to work? Well, back in Fornix, it was uh, practically mandatory. Hatched out the egg, a little little time rolling about uh, on, the, on the ground, and then off to the delegations, deciding uh, what uh, they seemed best suited for and so on. And yes, I mean, obviously they're people, they're individuals, but uh, they also have two hands that can lift things like small rocks. And uh, you should really consider, I, I don't know what your current employment is, but... Truthfully, could not a child do it? <laughs> are, you, are you trying to get babies ripped? Are you trying to make some kind of super babies? Well, I mean, folks are soft on kids these days. It might do them good. Employ the children, and then you and your wife will have all the sexy time breaking in those dollar bills. And, uh, positions. Try new positions. <laughs> Probably get a book with all the positions, and then check off the ones you've done, and then do all the others. In reverse alphabetical order. That's my advice. (laughs) (laughs) And have you ever heard of dogging? Oh, no. It's where you have sex in public and try to get caught. I'll I'll try that. (laughs) What's the best way to get caught? (laughs) Um, You want to get caught, but then you also don't want to get caught. And uh, so so you go to, like, you know, a forest with a jogging path. And you just go off the jogging path and you think, well... If we have loud sex here, 
and then someone who's jogging hears us, and if they're the person who decides to stop jogging and see us, they're the ones. <laughs> Reasonable. What if it continues from there? Then what do you do? What's your plan? That is the what plan. What if it's just like, mind, mind if I join? That would be a perfect situation for doggers, as I understand it. I think, yeah, I think <laughs> what, what she's trying to say is the best way to get caught is by willing participants. Yes. So you should dog around people that are just real horny. Who isn't? You're with us or you're against us? <laughs> or you're against one. us and with us. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> All the ambiguity of speech. Got any other questions? Who wants to holler at Jamala? Yeah, holler at me. Let's see. I'm looking on the forums here. Oh, this is from Heavy Devil. What would you think if you found out that your life was being dictated by a bunch of guys playing a game and recording <laughs> your never-ending plight for the amusement of others? Well, that first would, of all... That would shatter, the, that would shatter my reality. <laughs> That's uh, simply preposterous. A nice flight of fancy, a nightmare for sure. I mean, a bunch of guys? The silly... What man could ever capture my feminine grace and complexity of character? That's just uh, uh, completely moronic. One in a dress. Okay. <laughs> All right. Make any another, sense. another question. This is from Temisu. Temisu, yeah. The question is what really happened to Jamala's mace? Well, uh, as I recall, and there's been lots of drinking and blows to the head in between there and now. Uh, as I recall, that was. Um, in Christopher's Tower, and I was in a dark place, shall we say? And <laughs> basically, I found a weapon that could charge and amplify my light magic, and so I used it. And, uh, well, you know what my roles were. Never did particularly good with that mace anyway. Chucked it. Didn't have sentimental value. I mean, yeah, I had been hitting things in the head with it for years, but, uh, mostly it was like, uh, zap, avenging my... That sort of stuff. You've become much more skilled with it. Yeah. And effective. I am a goddess. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take a break. I'm going to have a drink. And uh, I'll be back later. So, so bye for now. All right. Hey, so rule. Question from the forums. How's the DPNP coming? Actually, I finished most of the website this week. So now I'm just marrying the desktop software to that. So I don't want to give away any... Um, dates or anything like that, but I'm feeling really good about getting it out pretty and soon. for reference, DPNP is Digital Pen and Paper, the yeah. next evolution of Saga's role-playing. Yeah, it's actually, it's the desktop software for creating game sessions, stories, content. The website portion of it allows you to kind of create your own gaming groups, schedule groups, uh, have your own little private forums within those groups, and uh, also share content publicly with the rest of the community or just within your circle of friends on that. So I've gotten all the groups and the forums and the friends list and all that stuff. I built it all from scratch. I didn't use any outsourced code or anything like that to build all. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And so now I've just got to kind of marry those two together so that when you create something on the desktop, it shows up on the website. So and now I've got working copies of both those two things. I just got to make them fit. That's super exciting because our player sheets are really outdated. Yes. And eventually after this is over, we will get that up there. And my goal is also right post release of the actual software. um, I'll be getting a website update so that people on Macs and stuff like that will be able to create their characters with their license or whatever and actually click buttons to do dice rolls or transmit those rolls from a web page. They won't necessarily have to have their copy of the software because it's it's only Windows based. So that will also keep everybody's character up to date. I will actually be sitting here with my laptop updating the story as we're playing it. Everybody's character will actually get equipment, lose equipment, get experience and stuff in real time while we're playing. And it'll all be sitting up there. If you click refresh on Jamala's character sheet, you can see if she got hit. You won't know why, so, because it'll all be, be recording. That'd be really it. interesting for a live game, too. Yeah, yeah would, would that be available that people could see that? Like, even if we weren't necessarily broadcasting it live, they would know, um, in terms of the audio, would they be able to see it, like the roles and stuff like that? No, they wouldn't see that. Sorry, no. You would see that, but um, they would see the result of that, because every time you your character is changed on my end or on your end, it gets put up onto the servers, and then it gets disseminated to whoever's sharing that character, whoever views it. So basically the way it works, I create a group. I'm going to call it the Dungeons and Doritos group. Everybody is invited to this group because they all have access to the forums. We schedule the events on there. The players are set as a role as players and they can create their characters or they have characters on there. When we go to play, I open up my software. It loads up the information from that group and all the changes I'm making, I'm hitting save afterwards or I'm having it auto save and it gets pushed up to that group, and so everybody gets it in real time, and then vice versa. The character sheets, the individual users can make them public, public just to the Nexus community, or public just to their friends, or just for their group, or nobody gets to see it at all. So we could actually have everybody's character sheet, you just have a link to it, you could actually sit there, and while we're recording, if you knew that we were recording that day, you could hit refresh and see that Jamal now has two wounds. and That's funny. Oh, spoiler so, alert. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, and that's the ultimate goal for tracking everything. And every character will have their own journals. Like each player will have a journal for their character where they can put their own notes. They have their own logs, the change logs, so you can actually see what Jamala did with that maze. You know, it would say, <laughs> I lost it. It was removed on this date, this game session with this title. And it would have the reason why on there. So all of that stuff is automatically being tracked by the software. I wouldn't actually have to sit there and wow. make a new log entry in there. I, I remove it. Software asks me why, because I don't like her having a mace. And then, boom, that's what shows up in the log. Barty lost that's his rapier cool. because he was an idiot. Yes. It fell into Cleveland. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I'm still sore about that. Yeah, I know you are. So, uh, it, love, yeah, it's going to really make things a lot easier for us, for the fans to kind of download and play with the characters if they want to you know it's 
it's all going to be out there. There so. was a time where we thought we wouldn't start book three until we had it. Obviously, it's a good yeah. thing we did start book three, but when digital pen and paper happens, it's going to be amazing. I am that the only awesome. person programming it, designing it, and developing that and the website. And I had to teach myself programming at the same time. I have some really good friends that are experienced software developers that have helped me, but they don't have time to do it for me. If you want to support Rule, go to the Saga's website and buy some books. Yes, that's great. Obviously, but, he doesn't do this full time, even no. though he's a very creative individual and has created one of the most versatile role playing systems that's on the market. Thank you. You it's know, true. Uh, it's not his career, unfortunately. So no. buy some shit and make it his career. No, yeah. I, I made that game for me to play with, and I just figured, hey, yeah, I'll sell it. Maybe people <laughs> will buy it. <laughs> so, in so the I, software I made for me, I made that so I could make more books faster. And then I got this weird idea to add more to it, and I got it carried away. That's awesome. Now, I have another question for you, Roll. This goes along with another question that kind of came up earlier. Has there ever been a time where we have completely gone in a different way from where you were originally planning and you went with it? Like you were like, instead of bringing us back, like, you know, oh, okay, children, come on back. Like you were like, oh shit, let's go that way. Has that ever happened? Um, yeah. Yeah. It happens about three or four times an episode. <laughs> Like I said, I mean, I, I, I just say this stuff is happening and then the players have to kind of react to it. The only real difficulty I have is why would the characters even give a shit? Luckily, we have VMAC, who always cares what's happening to other people. That's true. Except and so for I can count on him to He's do the, the right the party. Thing. Yeah. Everybody else, it's like, okay, well, you're shipwrecked. You're screwed. Now you have to do it. Or <laughs> you have to be there. You're on an island. Good luck trying to get out. You know, can they go and try and escape? And yes, they can. And I would love to see what happens. I also want to see what happens here, but I don't try to pull you guys away anyways. It's just, it's way more fun to see what you guys do. Yeah, don't mama bird us. No, I don't need to. <laughs> VMAC does that for me. <laughs> there isn't a specific time where that really sticks out to you? No, it happens way too much. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I can't pick a single time where I'm thinking they really went so off the rails and let's just see what happens. We that got, happens we got a call. all the time. We got a call coming in. Who is there? Come Kevin on. Wise, Buckwheat Guy. Uh, I have a question. Oh, uh, hey, man, rule. Kevin Wise. Yeah, yeah. Let it roll, man. What you got? Rule, what would be uh, your recommendation on some products to start experimenting with Sagas? Wow. Just I, I, come from a, I come from a mostly D&D &D background. Uh, I have experimented with some modern day and futuristic settings, but uh, more of a high fantasy D&D. &D. Just the Fantasy Sagas Player's Guidebook and the, the GM Lodestar. Uh, just when you're coming from D&D, &D, character classes, they don't exist. Most yeah, I've, I've always been yeah. more a fan of classless systems where you level yeah. up your character where you want to level it instead of you leveled up, here's what you get. Yeah, and um, everything is time-based. You don't have combat rounds like, you know, everybody takes a turn, okay, round two. Everybody takes a turn. It's all time-based. But, you know, and, right. and a lot of people ask me a lot of questions about, you know, how do I manage time in combat because it seems complicated. And it is complicated if you're trying <laughs> to follow the rules. The rules aren't meant to be followed line by line by line by line. You know, digital pen and paper will take care of that if right. you want it to. Really just have fun with it. I know that this spell that Jamala cast should take three times longer than it takes for Barty to throw a dagger. So he's going to get to roll three times before she does. That's the extent of my tracking system. I just kind of keep that in my head. This is faster than that. So, you know, the rules are there for a guideline and just don't follow them too literally. Just kind of make it your own and have fun with it. 
sounds easy enough. What were some of your influences when you were developing Sagas? Okay, it's kind of a story. My first role-playing game was Earth Dawn, and I liked the step value system that they use in that, and I kind of did the same thing, but you roll one dice for your attributes, and then you add everything else to it. In Earth Dawn, you add all that stuff together, and then that determines your dice, which I thought was kind of weird. But I really liked that fantasy world, and I liked the way that your skill level and your dice level were married. This was before 3rd edition D&D. So when 3rd edition D&D came out, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to keep trying to make my own game. But then I realized that 3rd edition D&D, while great, is so crap. Shadowrun was my second influence. I have a friend of mine that's uh, military intelligence. He was in Iraq and Afghanistan. And um, he had played Shadowrun with me. I was like, you know, I kind of want to adapt some of this for range fighting and eventually for modern combat. And he said that that was a perfect way of doing it. So I used a lot of the inspiration from there. And we kind of, he and I together drilled out how that should actually work with range combat. Magic, that's just the way magic should work. <laughs> you know, I, you get the X amount of spells per day and then you forget them. I, I, yeah, I, I never got that much yeah. either. Yeah, so I, this is, to me, this is, your spells take time to cast. You get better at doing something. You know, the first time you make a cake, it's going to take a long time. To do it like a homemade cake. You love cakes. You're yeah, all about I, cakes I'm tonight. all about cakes. My daughter's birthday's tomorrow. That's why. Um, so the first time you make a cake, it's going to take you a long time to do it. By your 30th cake, you're pretty much flying through this thing. So that's kind of my the way I, I develop magic. And as psychic powers, I just researched the crap out of it until I kind of made that work. But uh, I'd say Shadowrun, Earth Dawn, some third edition Dungeons and Dragons were probably my three key influences. Oh, and Palladium. I wanted to do nothing that they did. <laughs> so the key was like the layout of the book and everything. I studied that book and hated it so much. I wanted to make sure nothing I did was like what they, I wanted an index. I wanted it organized. I wanted it to work. It was, so spiteful. Awesome. Yeah. I, you guys have heard it before. I hate palladium. <laughs> One final thing. Um, Cap. Yeah. Give my best to Aunt Nancy. Oh, hey, I'll, I'll let her know. I'll let her know. I'll sext All her right, right now. <laughs> oh, Aunt Nancy. I love her right. so much. Keep doing what you guys do, and I'll let you get on to the next caller. Thank you. Dear Thanks, man. Nancy, Thanks. your voluptuous lady parts are on my mind. <laughs> oh, Aunt Nancy. I wish the hex was here. He just—it's—it's it's, it's, his reaction is just the best thing. <laughs> yeah, that's and it's never—and it's never stopped. Like it's—it doesn't—he doesn't let it die down and like fade its way out. He just continues to. He really hates know. it. I mean, he genuinely hates it. I, I kind of—I'm oh, yeah. starting to feel bad. <laughs> I'm starting to. No, but no, but not really. Never. Um. <laughs> never. Anything that makes hex feel bad, I'm for it. Lawrence wrote in. Lawrence Hondrick, all the way from sunny England. He says to Ryan. I don't have a question for you, but I just wanted to say thanks for all the music. The energy you channel into the experience is really something, and I'd feel remiss if I didn't take this opportunity to express my gratitude for your contribution. Here, here. Thank you very much. That means a lot to me. I, I, <laughs> I put a whole lot into it, and uh, the fact that you enjoy it that way is, uh, means a lot to me. Thank you very much. Remember, guys, if you like what you hear, then you should pay what you want on uh, Nerdy Show's Bandcamp, and all that money goes back into... Ryan and the D&D cycle. I mean, you bought some some really sexy equipment lately with what's uh, come in in the past year. Mm -hmm. So everything you do makes D&D sexier, makes Ryan happier. We got a couple awesome. more questions for Ryan. These are from Armadon. 
And I don't know if I agree with this. I just want to preface this by saying I don't know if I agree if that this is a thing. But he says, first of all, I want to see your nerd card. I want to know if this is just a job or are you a true nerd? Please provide example. Making music for a nerd show doesn't count as showing your nerd side. <laughs> well, I've played Magic the Gathering since I was in middle school. Yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. That counts. Yeah. Yep. Um, that de- that that's hardcore. Counts. Now the cred I'll comes give you three out. For that the one. robe is on. The wizard hat is out. What color, uh, what color did you play? I prefer five color decks. Whoa, Whoa, Sunburst, no shit. Shit, yeah. wow. Rainbow wow. Gathering. That's my favorite. I, I don't win very often, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I've read uh, many different book series by Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman. I've read um, oh, the, the Sword of Truth Lance series. <laughs> I haven't done much Dragonlance yet, but I've heard that I should. What did you read by Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman that wasn't Dragonlance? It's been a while. Let me think. One of them was a seven book series. I think it, it was it was a four book series, and then it was three uh, individual books oh, like that, that capped it off. Test it was, of the Twins and Time of the Twins and Dragons of Autumn Twilight and stuff. Holy not, shit! Not those ones. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Close Wikipedia. <laughs> oh man, that's me. That was my childhood too, bro. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. It was the one with with Haplo and the Sartans. What? Uh, there, there are several. Um, okay. The Terry Goodkind. I read uh, the sort of the, the Dark Tower. Yeah, the Sword of Truth. I read. Oh, I read dude, the entire Dark series. Dark Tower is my joint, man. I wish there was. I wish there was more. Did you read through the keyhole? What was through the keyhole? It's like a continuation. It came out a couple years ago. I didn't even know that existed. No, neither did I. Wow. You should okay. Get it, man. Well, you should get it. Off of that one. <laughs> Good. It's just a novel. It's nice. Is that if, uh, you're, if you're if you're hearing this for the first time and you would like to purchase that, go to our Amazon through one of our Nerdy Show links so you yeah. can support wow. Nerdy Show through Plug Amazon. City. Nerdyshow.com slash Amazon. Hey, it takes money to run this shit. This is not free. <laughs> we had to buy a bunch That's of new true. equipment just to do this. So yes, please buy through Amazon. Nerdyshow.com slash Amazon or on the main page. Or on this episode's page, we'll have linked to those authors. I have a third uh a nerd justification. Yeah, go for it. I've always been a massive uh, Final Fantasy fan, mm-hmm. and uh, and and I just want to be on record that after they came out with Final Fantasy XI, and you had to get the hard drive to put into the PlayStation, and then oh immediately God. after that, Sony came out with that slim PlayStation, completely screwing SquareSoft, which uh, turned into Square Enix after that. I thought that was bullshit. Yeah. But did you write a letter? <laughs> Strongly worded. There you go. <laughs> All right, I think his resume speaks for itself. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Oh, we got a call coming yeah. in? Big Bad Shadow Man's on the line. Hello, Big oh, Bad Shadow Man. Oh, shit. Hello. Hey, how you doing, dude? I'm doing fine. <laughs> awesome. For rule, I've been actually trying to set up my own uh, game using sagas. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of in a middle like hiatus moment because I'm actually trying to build a computer so I can actually record everything because okay. I want to do the same thing you guys have been doing. Wow, my, my RPG is going to be like the official question, podcast RPG. That would be sweet. Be yeah. awesome. My big question is, what is the best way of helping to introduce player characters into a story? Accidentally. I don't like setups. I just kind of like everybody that kind of accidentally run into each other. Sometimes it's easier where everybody kind of just uh, agrees ahead of time that everybody met this way. Sometimes you don't have that. You always have the cornball, meet him in a bar, or the king summoned, uh, all these necessary people. My favorite ways of doing it were arresting everybody at a party or something like that, where, and then they all have to break out together, and you have some GMPCs that wind up either escaping with him or red shirts that die along the way. 
or something Classic. like that. Yeah, everybody's going to be sacrificed to this god, and you know, you don't even know why it's just happening, and everybody gets away. I like talking dogs. Um, <laughs> Is that a fact? Yes, talking <laughs> the talking dog thing. Everybody Amazing. wants to know why that's going. Why is that happening? And what's going to if you introduce a talking dog out of nowhere, they will follow it. Oh, oh, <laughs> that's, that's yeah, far back. If you too. took anything away from that DM strategy, take away talking dog. Yeah. Talking dogs. Well, you know, that was like the very first episode. I'm like, how am I going to get these people to actually like go on board into something else that's completely new to follow them? It. And I just went to the talking dog. I puzzled over it for weeks until I thought yeah, nobody's going to say no to a talking dog. <laughs> so uh, Apparently Skyrim used the talking dog maneuver. Oh, that's right. They did those bastards. Uh, yeah, that was my thing, dude. I made that up. <laughs> it was totally my thing. Oh, I hey, it happened years prior in, in D&D before it ever happened in I Skyrim. I should do <laughs> yeah. or write a strongly worded letter. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I, I like it to seem kind of accidental. Uh, but I also don't like to think about it too much. You also have to remember that the first episode, bringing everybody together, is kind of like your college degree. It just gets you your first job. After that, everybody okay. just kind of ignores what happened before then. Okay. You just get through the first game session, and it really doesn't matter how they all met. But if you want to, to make it special and memorable, talking dog or something accidental happened, and now they're stuck together. Somebody's going at the end of the game session is going to say, Hey, we all work together as a team. We should stick together. Yeah, yeah some bonding event. Yeah, some somebody, yeah, somebody's situation. going to feel the need to do that. And it's like, you know, every time that happens, I kind of think to myself, I need your help, dude. I could have kept these guys together. I, I would recommend me. like a, a Saw-like scenario. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like, get everybody at the table and tell them that one of them's the murderer. Yes. <laughs> or what if everyone's all together in a grocery store and they get surrounded by a mist? Yeah, yeah. Miss, dude. Awesome, Stephen King. Yes. Or a zombie apocalypse, but only in that little particular uh, Hamlet. A friend of mine ran a Silent Hill game using modern sagas, and uh, everybody just kind of woke up and got arrested in Silent Hill. And so, but we all had oh, these yeah. backstories and stuff, and so we had to get out. Now, that to me could be used in a fantasy setting as well. You know, okay. you just have to come up with the reason why the bad guy is doing it to begin with. We played a. Uh D20 modern game a long time ago with my old gaming group where everyone was on a train and they're trying to figure things out and they were like in like a community like delusion and they were all asleep on the train and the train was going to like crash. It's pretty deep. Oh. It's a fun game. Sometimes I'll, I'll like take characters out of other things with my other gaming groups. Knob from uh, Lord of the Rings, he was in there once and somebody was like, oh no! But I was like, ah, oh, crap! Now I gotta play like knob. So <laughs> do a reservoir dog scenario where everyone's a mercenary <laughs> under a code name, or the usual suspects. Everybody's arrested because of who they are, and then you know, hey, we should all play a heist together. You just have like a long rap sheet, and you gotta break out. Yeah, there's a hundred million ways to do it right, and just like only a few ways to do it wrong. But we always do it wrong. You're all so, on a boy scout. We always together. we always go with the bar scene. Have you guys actually used your characters outside of medium of tabletop? I made a Soul Calibur character out of mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty fun. Raw. My friend had a, oh, Aaron Masarau. He had a game called Heroes or something or Champions Online. He made like a bunch of people's D&D characters with it and like optional outfits and stuff. 
he'd like call us up and be like, yo, remember your character from that one game? And he'd like show us it. It was ridiculous. That's awesome. Uh, there was the, the Neverwinter Nights mod. Uh, oh, yeah. Neverwinter Nights 2. Yeah, yeah. The, the, this is why the, I never played it. The fan-made D&D mod, and we did the original voices for it. And, like, you, you could even play as Galdap. So that was that was the thing. We'll link to that on this episode's page. That's really well. cool. But if I've done anything with Jamela outside of D&D, you've seen it. We just, you know, we just, we devote what time we have to those characters yeah. typically to D&D. I got one more question for Roll. What mm-hmm. is the most satisfying, like, trap that you've set out? For the actual players. Oh wow! I'd have to ask the players that because I mean, there's a lot. No, on, honestly, I mean, like, what were like the biggest like oh shit moments that they had? Because I I kind of go through that with them. Uh, I think one of my favorites uh, though is when the music when, when uh, Izzy started singing out of nowhere, and then we all decided that that should actually be real songs at the end of episodes. <laughs> The first yeah. time that that cracked me up, man. I love that. But yeah, Ryan, you uh, you got your what your mom right to play Izzy's flutes. Yeah, my mom uh, is a professional flute player and teacher, and uh, and and she did some some crazy stuff that was a lot of fun. Yeah, the, the for the Raven Cyclone, that was that was cool. That music was awesome. That moment in book two was a super fun moment to edit and hear what you made. Uh, it really made that image of this torrent of birds really come to life for me. It was great. Yeah, the way that she did this flutter tongue technique, it actually ended up sounding like uh, like wings beating. I've heard like Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull do that a couple times, but generally you don't you don't hear it much. It was really cool. Yeah. To go back to the the question, here's the here's the thing. The hardest creature was actually you wouldn't know that it was as hard as it was because I cut a lot of it out because a lot of it was us like, well, shit, what the fuck are we going to do? And it was <laughs> I mean, the battle was about an hour and a half. It was the fight against the um, uh, Temple of Gloom. There was uh, the, the King Lich in the, the burial chamber. Oh. You, you can hear more of that in the uh, the delete, like some of the deleted scenes as a support perk. But yeah. No, we were fucking stumped. <laughs> yeah, we had to we had to Zelda that shit. Yeah. That one was definitely the hardest one. The golems I mean, were fun though too. Golems were hard. The man in black was hard, but in terms of like completely stumping us, that was it. That was the yeah. one because nothing we did worked. Uh, as far like traps specifically, traps there haven't been an abundance of traps particularly. Yeah. I was thinking more like things like, oh, I've planned this just right because I know how they, they're going to act. Yeah, I, like, I feel plan. like the whole Cleveland just cutting in the line was like, they're not going to wait. Yeah, no, I don't plan. I, I really, I don't plan Improv. for them to do, oh. to do anything. <laughs> it's way too much fun to just line up the dominoes and let them have at it. Have you ever, you, you take a kid and you sit them around like three bowls of ice cream, like a kid, like a three-year-old, and watch what happens. It's fun. You can't plan anything. You cannot determine. You've actually where, done this. Yes. You can't. <laughs> you can't. You can't sit there and think he's going to go for that one first, and it's going to be messy. But that one's going to be clean because he's going to figure out. No, nah, you don't plan. You just you just sit back and and enjoy the show, and it's fun to watch. And I'm not going to try and figure out what these guys are thinking. That's way too much for one person. <laughs> well, cool. Yeah. Thanks, Big Bad. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon, dude. Talk to you later. All Are right. there any other uh, things on the forums there, Cap? Yeah, yeah. This is a follow-up to Ryan from uh, from Armadon. He wants to know how much of the score is practical instruments and how much is sound bites. Oh, you mean like me recording instruments? Mm-hmm. 
Oh, that doesn't really happen very much. Most of my recording takes place at about uh, from four to seven or eight in the morning before I go to my real job that pays the bills. And I share a wall with a, an 18 month old. So it all happens with samples and, and headphones. And then I try to get the mix as good as I can in the headphones. And then I listen in my work truck and I try to write down notes as to, you know, I, maybe if this one goes down a decibel and this one up a decibel and a half and that kind of stuff. And I try to make the adjustments and then get it right in the headphones and listening in the work truck again. It's pretty much all samples. The rare occasion that I get to do something like have my mom over to record a flute or something like that is like a, an event for me. I Seriously, I can't stress this enough. I know a lot of people are waiting for Call of Cthulhu and uh, we are to too. When it comes out, it will be fucking amazing and a large contributing factor to that is not just the antics of our large cast of characters following red herrings and getting into a lot of awful trouble. That was trouble. me. I followed so many <laughs> red herrings. <laughs> it's Ryan's score. You will not fucking believe it when you hear it. It is it's so awesome. good. I, I know I've psyched you up too much now, but it's like... Uh, overselling. It, when the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program comes out, it'll be amazing, and we'll get it out as soon as we can. Just production stuff. Another question from Lawrence from England. He says, uh, It seems to me as though your individual avatars have developed a fair bit in the course of their adventures. I was mm. wondering if this is something you've ever reflected on, and if so, how would you describe these changes in your own words? i.e., how have your avatars adapted and why? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, and also to kind of dovetail also into one of Armadon's questions, which was, uh, what was your inspiration for creating Barty? And did I get introduced to the cast so that... Um, yeah, Armadon wanted to know if we introduced you specifically in order to reintroduce... To reintroduce the story. Then that was actually, no. We realized after the fact, oh, we could use Barty to do that. Yeah, and that's what that was. Actually, the the way that Barty came up was he could have been completely different because we I, the first time that we played, Cap was like, "Hey, come on down. We're gonna play a game of D and D. Do you want to watch?" I was like, "Sure." And then you said, "Hey, do you want to be a character?" I was like, "Okay, maybe I'll be a character for an episode or two, or you know, whatever. That's fine." And you know, you met Barty in the bar and actually that was the second take that we did with Barty because the first time I didn't know what rule wanted me to do or say and what we where we needed to go or wherever it was. And so we had to retake what had happened. And Barty's voice the first time we did it was really different. The improv came out a different way the second time. And then Barty's character kind of came from that was and, just using a different doing a different choice. And it was it was just the intro of Barty that we read took and this is all like yeah. right this exactly is way yeah. back we don't have any of this on file anymore so like this is all gone uh, yes yes i mean basically barty was so up in the air as to what he could be when we were sitting down to record you were flipping through the sagas book and you settled on the the weird ass class of gleeman yes <laughs> yep and that was it yep that was it bartholomew we didn't even know his name in the beginning <laughs> and because i had to come up with his name after that episode because <laughs> um, he was he was just a friend at that point we didn't even know what his name was it was kind of cool but yeah no barty's character has significantly changed considering the fact that i got to know who he was and i kind of failed like now i know who he is and stuff like that and where he settled in but at first like those first couple episodes i mean you can tell that i listened back to them and i'm like oh god <laughs> just about my own self it's just i it's hard for me to he's a different person because i was learning to get to know who he was which was pretty cool. But I he also had to take over, you know, when we lost Mike, we lost a lot of the insanity, especially in that cast. When Dean came around, you know, things are different. 
But, yes. <laughs> um, you know, at, at first we didn't have the B team and we didn't have Dean. And so I felt like I needed to fill that role of creating a little bit of chaos. And, and you do that glee. splendidly. Yes. I, well, I try. And, and, and it's turned out to be really fun to do. And, um, you know, just playing along and, and, you know, saying yes, like improv terms, like just say yes to what's happening and, and playing along with what's happening on, on stage or, or with, with your friends and stuff like that with the cast. But it's, it's super fun and staying true to the character. But yeah, no, I, she, he's definitely changed. Kyle, you've been playing Dean a very long time in, in different incarnations. How has Dean changed, if at all, with oh, his introduction oh, to Oh, okay. In Dean's in, uh, original campaign, we played in actual, like, Advanced Dungeons & Dragons Forgotten Realms, and he was, like, a mercenary in that setting. I kept all of his previous history, like, the same for Rules campaign, all of his childhood or whatever. He's from a mercenary family. And uh, in the campaign that we played, he became the mayor of a town with his friends. And he always had like this uh, superiority complex over them. So that part has maintained over like he always wants to be in control. But he was just in that one main campaign. And the big difference there was we got to that godhood level like we uh, we were level 20 or, or above for that campaign. So those characters got insanely powerful and there was no way to bring that to rules campaign no, i toned him down happen. to like as if he had never achieved some sort of demigod status and he's still just mercenarying about and trying to lay things you can't really tell dean that oh of course because he knows like in when i access dean like it <laughs> he can see the continuum of his storyline yeah. if you're given enough time in any in any setting he would definitely just push to the limits to spin off of that question, and we'll spin back into Lawrence's question, but spin to another question from uh, from Armadon. He wants to know if Dean is a creation that's different from any other characters you've made for RPGs. That this, if Dean didn't have a listenership audience, would you play him differently? Oh no, dude, he's so fun. Honestly, it's like I forget that we have an audience when I play our campaign with you guys. <laughs> I play Dean that way anyway. For that respect, he's just so silly. And it's like what um, Colin was saying about Barty. He's sort of this character that you put on and you're like, just go with what's going on right now. What would you do if you were ridiculous and hilarious? <laughs> <laughs> it's not hard. Yeah. Dean is in incredible. Dean is a force of nature. Everything that he says just, is gold. <laughs> he knocks it out He's of the fun. park. He wasn't even supposed to be playing in. <laughs> <laughs> so. There you go. Well said. Thank you. As for Jamela, I mean, with many of our characters, like the original four D&D characters, I mean, like, like Jennifer was not a character Brian had played before necessarily, but he was based on his prior role-playing experiences out of what keeps you safest in the room, hide in the back. Um, <laughs> and uh, Mike hadn't role-played before, or at least not much, but he knew what chair was, but chair obviously adapted. I mean, just think about chair's schizophrenia in the first three episodes where he was having the multiple personality disorder from all the head injuries, that was more or less because it was a one-off project we were doing and we didn't know where we wanted the characters to go at all. So he was a fop and he was a cowboy and all the other weird shit that happened to his brain very briefly. As far as like, you know, our no prize explanation for it was, well, you know, Chair was a, a magical being and it was, uh, he was still kind of new to his physical form and you know, his circuits were a little goofy, especially for having like lived alone in a in a log cabin for an indeterminate amount of time. The A team, it's actually really interesting because most of us are not we're not originally role players before 
Dungeons and Doritos. Yeah. With Jamela, I mean, and I, I've said this before in, in prior episodes, like essentially we had three confirmed male characters and they were all, I mean, we, there was a dwarf and a Goliath, but that's a little guy and a tall guy. And there was a tiefling. And so he's like, you know, a scary guy, but they were all relatively humanish. You know, tiefling's a half demon. So I was like, well, okay, let me go in as far other directions as I can. I think I said like, what kind of animal person species are there in fourth edition D&D? And they were like, well, there's dragon peoples. And I'm like, okay, let's do that. And it'll be a lady. And Jesus, what do I even do? So I researched whatever Wikipedia articles there were on dragonborns. And it said, oh, well, they like gold and gems and stuff. I'm like, okay, so she's really vain and she's obsessed with treasure. Okay, we can work with this. And then it's a whole debate about do dragonborns have breasts or not? Like, and, <laughs> and I was like, okay, I can work with that. Absolutely not. She's going to have like as much reptile anatomy as I can get away with. Because it's stupid that even if a dragon's warm-blooded because they belch fire and... Reptile tits. Right, yeah. So, like, so why would they have tits so they could lactate to the creature that came out of the egg? I don't know. It doesn't... It's bullshit. Mm -hmm. I mean, granted, I suppose platypuses probably make milk, too. I don't don't know. But she's not a fucking marsupial, so... <laughs> uh, Way too much of thought in that. <laughs> uh, but I mean, like Jamela was rough. Like I was, I was trying to figure out. Okay, like obviously it's a radio show. We should put on voices. So I, I tried out a couple things. You listen to episode one, Jamela. It's like it's even more stark than listening to episode one, Homer Simpson. You know, mm-hmm. there's a big difference there, and she sounds more masculine. And it was trial and error. And like I, we didn't have the character down. It was just, it was we were just goofing around. And the, gradually, all that goofing around. You know, starting fresh, the character it didn't feel right at first, and I'm not sure it felt right for anybody who was playing their character. They thought, "Oh yeah, I feel really confident about this." But over time, we hit a stride, and we figured out who that character was, and we whether or not we felt good about the character when we first were playing them. We all came to a point individually where we figured out who that character was and fell in love with our characters and can play yeah. those characters at any moment in time. My experience is like a player in role playing games. Mm-hmm. Is that generally how it feels? You, you create your character and you have this idea for your character, but after the first game, you're rediscovering that person all over again and, and their identity grows within the first couple of play sessions until you, you have an identity, you, you've latched onto that and then it just kind of keeps growing from there. But oh, I yeah. think they, they're, all their identities too. are so, yeah, their history, their identities, their personalities are all like just rock solid. They seem like they exist in that little really weird fantasy world (laughs) very very weird where people eat their money yeah cap that actually goes into a question that armadon had about how you play up jamala's feminine side now with the intro of lefty it seems that you are you have upped the feminine side because you're now with lefty that makes sense though yeah she yeah she would latch on because she's been in a boys club yeah and suddenly there's another girl yeah, you learned how to be a girl. Congratulations, Muzzle Top. It was, it was really, there was just wasn't a, a foil there in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah. if, you, if you go back and you listen, like, where was the opportunities for Jamela to really play up that side of her? And it was there, like, when we were in Cool Ranch for a couple months, what did she do? She made dresses out of the draperies and stuff. Like, it, yeah. was, it was there, but there were so few chances for her to really do any Organically, of that stuff. Organically, yeah. And then, not only was Lefty introduced, and she had, like, a girl pal all of a sudden but the opportunity for downtime and shopping sprees and all this like nonsense that happened in the isle of mages it was kind of just a perfect <laughs> storm so mm-hmm. it was pretty easy to, for it to turn into what it did and and for it to i guess lefty's the foil that lets all the stuff that was already kind of a part of the jamelis persona it allowed that to be on page more i suppose yeah i've got a question from armadon for ryan 
He wants to know, will you be rescoring music for any of the earlier D&D seasons? Oh. It hasn't come up, but, but I'm certainly open to it. Yeah, it, it, it's it actually, just came up. It, it, it just it just came up. Um, Armadon had like a ton of questions. Yeah, he yeah, a lot of good ones here. We got some from Galdap Jr. Yeah, he wanted to know if the Gleeman class was based off of Tom Merlin from the Wheel of Time. I would have to look at that again. It very well may be, but it's. I think I read one of those books. I basically looked up like a synonym for juggler or something and saw that, and then that, that reminded me of a character, and that probably is that character. But basically, I just wanted a juggler that kills things. So, <laughs> in the paradigm book, there's I think five to ten characters per section, and I think I just needed another one or two to fill out certain sections. So that was one of those types of filler characters. Yeah, you originally thought and wanted me to be uh, like a buccaneer, like a, a ship. I think we had talked person. about that. Yeah, and then now we got Lefty doing that part. But yeah, yeah, and in a lot of ways, I think Barty's kind of filled that role too you just wanted to have somebody that was kind of suave and obnoxious at the same time <laughs> oh, we, we got it we got a call coming yeah, in. he's kind of hard he's kind of hard to kill too which yeah. is important for yep. that i killed the man in black we got a caller on the line who's there hello um it's me uh heavy devil aka simon newell hey man how's it going it's going pretty well i actually had a question for rule if um you don't mind no go ahead I'm the DM for my friends, and we've been playing for a number of years, but every once in a while I get like a player whose sort of sole existence is to kill everything in sight, uh-huh. or to just murder everything, uh-huh. just cause general havoc. Right. And I, I don't always know how to deal with that sort of character. He just sort of, I don't want to stop him or anything. Why not? But... I don't no, I mean, stop that's, a, that's, a, that's a perfectly, I think a lot of game masters forget that that's a perfectly viable option. I, I want to know how do you deal with that in terms of keeping your campaign in the same vein or going ahead with it? It depends on the player. It, the player is just going to be one of those guys that they just want a body count and it's like how they feel empowered as a player. And they're, no matter what you do story wise, they're going to contribute to a high body count just just for the sake of annoying you, kick them out of the game. You know? Really? Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, but, you know, that's an extreme, extreme thing. You got to remember that the game's not about you or him. It's about everybody that's playing. And if he's, right. if somebody's going to come in and, and upset that Apple car, weeks or months later, that game is going to end, you know, because of one person that's just causing conflict. And, and you, and some players may, may laugh and joke and ride along with it during the game session, but then they go home and they're like, man, this is, you know, we can't get anything done because he's just, you know, killing everybody. The second thing is consequence, you know, um, cut off an arm or something. People are going to notice a body count. Make that painful. Make that uh, hurt a lot. So, so start counting the failures more harshly. Make them judge their actions more critically. No, you know, if he's out there just killing a bunch of people, then somebody's going to hunt him down. And, okay. and and right, and right. that person Co- consequences of murder yeah are <laughs> you get murdered you know yeah, uh, that's true. um and it, it, that character doesn't necessarily have to die but he can lose an arm or a leg i mean that character and through the character that player get punished you know the people that are sent after bad guys are generally stronger than the bad guys the b team on paper stronger than the a team just didn't work out well for them it's just yes <laughs> But, you know, the people that go after the other people, you always attack with a larger force, a stronger force. 
you know, the people that, that go after your murderer, they should be tough, you know, they, and, and horrible. But, uh, you know, the other side of it, it's a particularly close friend of yours or something that's doing it. It's just like, you know, hey, can we start toning this down and not even deal with it in game? You okay. know, those are your, your kind of your three. If you have a sliding scale, that's your, your right, your left, and your middle. Um, and it just, it's your players. It's, you know, you're going to have to kind of figure it out. What are your other players? How do they feel about it? Um, most of them sort of laugh. The, the main sort of two I'm thinking of is one guy, he was an orc. He was a space orc. It was in sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And, um, an orc, bro. <laughs> he was an orc who dual wielded lightsabers, um, on a space station. Okay. And the other two characters were sort of like, <laughs> right, see, that's, that's your fault. You gave him so much power, dude. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I don't, I don't look at that as being a problem. He was, he was I see, amazing. I see um, an I opportunity. Him. That is definitely a candidate for an, a missing arm. You know, um, he's a dual wielding person. Is, just lost half of his arm. I, or his, I, uh, I put I put him in front of three guards with full automatic weapons. But because he took all of these insane combat feats, he was able to kill all three enemies in a single turn. Yeah, this that's is, when somebody drops that, a grenade and then a hole a hole in the hole explodes and and everybody's getting sucked out in space and then go bye bye lefty righty or I don't know. Give me a nickname for the guy. But, you know, uh, his name was Gob. His name right, was Gob. Bye bye, Gob. You know, there's, there's, there, there are things that can happen. That, Gob Stopper. Yeah, the Gob Stopper. <laughs> That's, you Nailed. need a bad guy named Gob Stopper. <laughs> I was playing a game where um, I was playing kind of a Jedi character, and my friend was playing a, like a psychic character, but he wasn't like a warrior. We had figured out so this player, and his player character had. Evil Empire the shit out of this game. And he was taking control of the game world through his evil you know, influence. Yeah, like, his his Darth Sidious personality. He had manipulated the crap out of the game world. And before in one game session, we were like, holy shit, he just like took over everything. And he's almost nearly templed his fingers and everything. And I mean, we we realized that we had just created the evil galactic empire, and there's our new lord and master. Sort of a Monty Burns-esque moment. Yeah. So my game master, he was just kind of letting us roll with it. And we're like, you've got to do something about it. But I decided that I was going to challenge this guy to a duel. And it all came down to one die roll. And it was just like, I, I at this point, I really didn't want to play anymore because he had broken the game for me. So I didn't right. care if I, if I didn't make this critical. I had to be a critical. And I made the critical. And I defeated him. And we stopped it from happening. Just one lucky die roll, but I was. Oh, wow. uh, but the real point of that story is that he had ruined it for me so much. In just that one game session, once we realized that what he was doing, I was ready to walk away from the game. I just it it wasn't about us. Okay, it was about him. Heavy W, you you had some uh, great questions that were on the forums, and we haven't really reached all of them. The ones for Jamela, those got answered. Were they answered in the voice of Jamela, if I can ask? Oh, they were, they were answered by Jamela herself. Uh, oh, oh, that's wonderful. Uh, <laughs> this is sort of a, a weirdly self-serving question, but I send you guys, like, a lot of fan art and fan I was love. I was actually just about to tell you that I thoroughly enjoyed your Barty's song to the parody of Weird House No Cigar. Yeah, this, and this will be posted I, to the we fan t- page uh, shortly, but Heavy Devil we, created a, a, a Weird Al parody song for Barty. Um, about about his exploits with the ladies. And I got to say, it was incredible. And uh, we were talking about potentially performing it this evening, but 
I don't know no cigar well enough to do it off the cuff without like a lead track or anything like but that. We, so we did I, actually find I'm, an instrumental, weirdly enough. Yeah, I am actually uh, going to really work on learning that. So eventually, Barty will sing that at one uh, point, just for you. You you warm the cockles of my heart, Colin. Uh, <laughs> Nothing like a good warm uh, cock. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> What do you guys like in terms of fan art and like, what would you like to see more of like more Pokeballs of Steelix or D&D oh, or is it all, is it all love? Well, we've never gotten, I, I still am up. I'm still kind War of machine. Up, upset that we've never gotten War Machine. <laughs> Picture. We've right. never gotten War Machine. I've tried to draw War Machine before. It's a tall and, order. And, it's, it's a tall order just because every time I try to draw Dean, he doesn't come out the way I want in my head. Because I imagine Dean like being this missed leg day sort of gigantic torso person. Oh yeah, he's got a big upper body. With, uh, with just like flowing red hair everywhere. <laughs> he's he's like a Saiyan. With, with a two-handed <laughs> sword at, in at, the loincloth. And every time I try and draw him like that, I can never get a dynamic enough angle to make him look sort of like beastly. Um... <laughs> But I will definitely make it. The other thing is, I, I never do a fan art of Lefty, and I've always wanted to. It's, it's just I can never get a satisfactory picture that I like. Um, you can't capture us, bro. We're too amorphous. We're too real. Too real for your pencil, bro. I have, I have an idea. Person. I have an idea for the Dean thing. Use gorillas as a reference. I mean, he's not a. Jamela thinks he's a knuckle dragger, but he's not a literal knuckle dragger. No, but I'm saying if you use that as a reference for the way he moves, that's what I'm thinking. Like Tarzan, like the Disney Tarzan, he moves I, like a, a a gorilla when he's, yeah, he's like he's in, apish. He's he's apish. Yeah. Okay, right. he's a big, big, wide faced half orc man. Well, the weird thing is he he keeps on switching races because at one point he was half orc and then he was half ogre for an episode and then he was back to half orc. He's always been half orc. He's oh he's always no, been. I think but I think I, I, I fucked think, it up. I think it was actually during the the, the prologue. At one point, uh, Galdap refers to him as a half ogre. Oh, so you're gonna, you're gonna take you're gonna take Galdap's word on it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, does. he doesn't know. He doesn't know with the lineage. That guy's senile as all get out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's an old guy. I'm not going to say he's racist, but he's racist, okay? Like, he sees one green guy, <laughs> they all look the same to him. Well, in Geldup's own words, I'm inter- interracial, you know? It's like uh, when he met Rillatrix, it was the whole, like... Yeah. Well, okay, when, when an old person says they're inter- interracial, it's not basically... <laughs> not the respect you yeah. kind of way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's more the uh, Thomas Jefferson way. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I also yeah. Just to say out loud, uh, I have not forgotten about yours and Berto Elcon's um, prize of being told in a Barty story. It just Barty has not told a story well, straight I out was, of his ass yet. I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't one of the winners of the Barty fan love contest or no, the wasn't you. I know, no, that was, I, I know it was. I know it was Berto Elcon. I wrote. I wrote the um, the thirty page comic. Uh, yeah, yeah, the most Bala fan love thing of all time. Yeah, we remember. <laughs> no, I gave it to you. No, I gave. I'm pretty sure I gave it to you and to. Uh, Barty was Barty wasn't featured in that. He oh, was, then I guess it wasn't you. I forget who it was. I'll have to look uh, back. Well, I haven't forgotten. I'll look it, it back was, up. It, it was um not. I think it was basalt zombies because you. That's said who that, it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was because the Barty portrayed in that and yep. like his script was so to yep. a T how Barty would speak his yep. that's his it. cadence. 
uh, was, was it. captured. And then the Barty cosplay by Barty cosplay. Oh, but you can consider the song like an extremely belated uh, Barty <laughs> fan love. Awesome. <laughs> Next time Barty tells a story, which uh, whenever that happens, I'll look it up and we'll we'll have it done. But yeah. Thank okay. you for your fan love. We, we always really okay. appreciate it, man. All right. Well, one, one last question about the fan love. Do you more songs pro or con? I think we're pro fan love, period. Yeah, p- period. Okay. I guess yeah. with, with art, I, I want to kind of go on the record to say this. Like, out of necessity, like, you know, Tony's designs for our characters are like the designs for our characters. They're all done with notes from us. However, I really love the D&D characters and the portrayals of them that are created from people's minds without reference to yeah. our official oh, yeah. art. Well, yeah. well, my, my, oh, fir- yeah. my first drawing of VMAC, because VMAC is obviously the one in the comic book is clearly based off Tony's. Mm-hmm. But the very first fan love I sent you guys yeah. all those years and years and years ago with the original cast all together standing together had VMAC wearing like a Cossack hat. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's really cool. And I Tony's art's great. Like like I said, like those are the character designs based closely on what we've told him and how they appear in our own minds. But if anyone ever has hesitation of like, oh, should I draw on model or not? Don't even worry about it. I think and hopefully I speak for all. So I don't know. Really speaking oh, yeah. for myself, I'm really interested to see what our characters look like in your imagination. You yes. being anybody listening. That's what I'm very curious about. I was right, happy well. Tony did it. It was like seeing his uh, he, his adaptation of how we described ourselves was really nice in its own sense. Yeah. But when fan art comes in, that's even better, man. Because that's a whole new like way to see into someone's head how they would imagine someone looking through their voice and through their actions. It's good stuff. Yeah, it, uh, it's well, a good it's a good reflection of how you're telling your own story. Well, thank you guys so much, just personally. Thank from you for all the members of from all the community because I don't, I don't think you guys just realize how much we love listening to you guys and how much you guys mean to us um, it's so awesome just to be able to talk to you and that you care about us and care to talk to us so thank you on behalf of everyone in the community and I'll stop talking so <laughs> someone else can well actually um, we're wrapping you're the last it up one. You're, you're, the, you're the last one oh my, did it. Am, I, am I the grand finale here yeah, yeah. Yep. pretty yeah. much yeah <laughs> There was something that was brought up on the on the chat over yeah. here on Skype that I actually think should be addressed. And it was the question actually by Mauron asking, what about Brian, if Brian was ever going to come back? That's a very good question. He has to. Yeah. yeah uh, I have such a good story for Brian. Brian is absolutely not opposed to coming back. If only you guys knew the crap he was working on. We can't say a damn thing about it, but sooner or later it'll be announced. He's just... Brian, <laughs> let's face it, has to be the final boss in the final episode of D&D. He has to be. No, because as I soon as there I must be he, a final he, episode. He, he, basically, he basically needs to like eat like the, the last Scorching Habanero in existence and become like Satan himself or something. No, no but he is... I think I you, you think a, very highly of Jennifer. You think about as highly of Jennifer as he thinks of himself. I have such plans. Well, I don't think too highly. You read the comic. <laughs> oh, well. It's going to be a multi-parter. Uh, Jennifer <laughs> right, well. is 100% going to be back. It's all a matter of when and how, and it will certainly be surprising whatever it is. And uh, that's why we've made book three the way we have. So it's kind of like modular storytelling. So people can pop in and out, and uh, we're more free to schedule, and we're more free to tell different kinds of stories. So, Heavy Devil, Simon, thank you so much yep. for all thank the you. awesome fan love. You're so fucking cool. And we're, we're just happy to have a good time yep. and have others have a good time from us having a good time. Like, that's so... How could anything be more rewarding than that, you know? Mm-hmm. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks, yeah. dude. We'll talk no. to you soon. Have a good night. Yeah, you too. Ooh. Well, let me just get on the record that it's Vista Clemency did the story of the Bastelt Zombies. So. Yeah, Vista Clemency. Wrapping up, D&D merchandise. 
D&D shirt designed by myself and local shop made to be super heavy metal rific. It's got all the characters on it as of the end of season one. So yeah, back when back when Barty was a tiny, tiny character. Yeah, Barty was didn't brand even, new. Didn't even have a name. <laughs> he was o- almost didn't make the shirt. Yeah, <laughs> he was a last minute addition. We're like, yeah, we'll bring him back. He'll be on the shirt. And uh, the posters, of course, with uh, art by Tony. Now, we've talked about this on an episode, but we, we will, for a nominal fee, burn your poster by hand <laughs> to get these, like, cool holes and other effects. We'll, or if you want it pristine and you want to frame it, no problem. They're all signed and numbered. They're limited. And they will run out someday. I want to plug the D&D comic again. We got issue one still. You can get it digitally for only a buck, or you can buy the real thing. And uh, also for only a buck, the eight-page preview of D&D Issue 2 is available on the D&D store right now. The full issue is coming out as soon as we can get it out. But if you want a preview, this is uh, formerly a convention exclusive, but it's online for sale. I mention all this because, as longtime listeners know and are probably sick of hearing, it takes money to produce things like this and things like D&D. So anything you can contribute would be much, much appreciated, whether it's directly via the support drives. And of course, there's so much D&D perks. If you haven't heard the D&D perks, just throw a dollar into the support or perhaps more, and you'll get hours and hours and hours of D&D stuff that you never knew that you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, lots of cool and maybe, you, stuff. maybe you won't after you hear it. <laughs> no, no, you will. I mean, a, a full canonical D&D stuff and, and stuff that's completely out of continuity, but an episode length out of continuity episode, stuff like that. It's great. So yeah, you check that stuff out. And uh, we're going to go do that one last question for Jamela and, uh, and then we'll sign off. So um, you guys should uh, talk amongst yourselves. I'll go knock on her dressing room and see if she's ready. I want to see some more of those party calling question uh, is party unjustly picked on by the group <laughs> that would be a question for the group uh i i just go where party takes me and i don't know i mean we don't know what the story of the game session is going to be sometimes cap knows sometimes i know you know based on some stuff like when we were going through book two we knew some of what needed to happen but for this stuff like i have no fucking clue what's going to happen <laughs> so he just goes on does what he does but yes no this was the se- book three is the season of barty getting tortured yeah in more ways than one on, literally liter- literally i think it's partly it's because the way you handle it, it makes it much more fun to do it <laughs> yeah you gotta play along it's fun it's great no i i thoroughly enjoy it yeah no rule do you have a do you have a favorite moment in the show like your favorite moment that you can think of right now I keep going back to the singing that tripped me out when that happened. Um, <laughs> when you guys crush the knolls in the tunnel. Oh, I wasn't even then, there for that. That yeah, was awesome. That was awesome. Jamala was who's ready for us now. She uh, really. Yes, I, it was. Uh, well, back then I had a lot of uh, false starts and a lot of bad rolls, but that one was uh, particularly good. I was yeah. proud of myself. That was exciting. Yeah, because she had not really come into her own in the sense of combat. And then. Well, uh, I see it like this. Basically, that was before it, you got the suit. Yeah, but in, in the steam tunnels, I was in my element. I knew my surroundings. They don't call me mistress of the steam tunnels for nothing, as you'll soon find out. But uh, I was in a tunnel, and so I did a good job. And maybe that's as simple as it was, but uh, now that I've spent enough time on the surface, I, 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 I can really kick some butt. Anyway, uh, speaking of that, someone asked why they call me mistress of the steam tunnels. And uh, that's, a, that's a simple answer. You know, you'll find out a bit more about it in D&D Issue 2. And in fact, the flashback sequence that's all about me is the entirety of the uh, eight-page preview. But uh, in short, they call me Mistress of the Steam Tunnels because I'm from Phonics, 
which is in the Steve Tunnels underneath the Ironback Mountains. And I, uh, you know, more or less went on my own, which is a very unconventional thing for, uh, for Nixian society. And um, I guess you could say I went rogue for a number of years. I may have sort of kind of been the greatest gleam seeker of all time. Uh, finding every single stone known to those tunnels and many that they didn't even expect. I, I may have had some incredible adventures. And, uh, you know, when you kick a bunch of ass and are generally mysterious, sometimes people give you flattering names like Mistress of the Steam Tunnels, which I had nothing to do with. That's just what they called me. And uh, I, I'm told that younglings still whisper my name in hushed stories of bravery and shiny objects. That question was from he who hides in plain sight. Did I get the, uh, the, the gist of the question correct? I did. Okay, great. Now, before we go, one final thing. I want to let you know that I would like to start a YouTube advice series. So I want you to ask me all of your questions about, you know, your love life, fashion tips, um, personal stuff, whatever you want to know, questions about me. <laughs> whatever floats your boat, honey bunches. Send in your questions to the uh, Nerdy Show forums, and, uh, and I'll respond. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in to this streaming broadcast, uh, or for watching this retroactively on video, or uh, listening to the podcast. And uh, it's been a, an absolute pleasure talking to everyone. Maybe we'll do it again sometime, just let us know. There were many questions we didn't even get a chance to answer, and, uh, so we'll answer those in turn on the forums. But uh, I want to give a special thanks to everyone who, uh, who joined us here. You wonderful listeners, but also to um, to Kyle uh, and to Colin, to Rule and uh, and Ryan, who came out for the very first time on the show. It's a real pleasure having you here. You've made me sound wonderful. <laughs> yes, thank you. Mm. Hooray! That was for Ryan. That yes. Oh wait, huh? That uh, was for Ryan. Yeah, sure. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, thank you so much for listening to both this and. Uh, and to all of the wonderful episodes of Dungeons and Doritos, I know you do it for me, and that really does truly mean a lot. Bye! Bye, I'm Cap. I'm Rule. Carrot bifurcation. <laughs> Bye, I'm Kyle. Bye, I'm Colin. See you guys. Couldn't get into Geld Up outro. Oh, Geld Up outro for sure. Bye, goodbye. <laughs> and thus concludes the Dungeons and Doritos Q&A. If you thought that was fly, why don't you hop on the Nerdy Show forums and ask them to do another one? Maybe you'll ask Galdap a question or two and don't, don't, not like I felt left out or anything. But if you do love old Galdap, and I don't know who you might be, then perhaps you'll be interested in the new monthly support perk. Every month, Nerdy Show releases a new support perk that if you support them, they'll send you in your email and the one for um october 2014 is uh, your old pal galdap reading an excerpt from the harlequin temptation novel the midas touch written by Catherine kendall which as it turns out is the pen name for uh Catherine applegate and michael grant the author of uh 1990s sensation the animorphs so, if you'd like to hear that, all you have to do is don't, don't wiggle away. All you have to do is support Nerdy Show. The entire network in Dungeons and Doritos is uh, listener-supported. That means that uh, you, my little bit of fluff, are all we have left. A little flick to the nipple there. Oh, one, two, three. Let's see. Hell, you, 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 I'll pretend you don't like it. <laughs>
Oh, good thing I taped your mouth shut. Anywho, so contribute in any way you can. Even a dollar will get you hours upon hours of perks, including lots of Dungeons and Doritos stuff like, uh, an entire non-canonical episode, and some canonical stuff, and also some outtakes, and galdapery. That's like a strawberry daiquiri. But it makes you go to sleep. <laughs> well, it's time for Galdap's Betty-Bye. Well, stay tuned for the new episode of Dungeons and Doritos, the epic conclusion to the fan-requested campaign, coming this month in a story called... These boots were made for swapping. And to all a good night. Thank you for listening to Dungeons and Doritos. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive. Not just with Phoenix Downs, my dear, but by telling a friend, rating and reviewing us on iTunes, shopping at nerdyshow.com slash store, or directly donating your hard-earned Doritos to the network. Any sized contribution gets you exclusive Nerdy Show audio and images and lets you participate in our monthly support drives. Just go to nerdyshow.com slash support to chip in. To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com slash sponsorships. For more episodes of Dungeons and Doritos, as well as other fine programming, community forums, videos, articles, and more, head over to nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe to all Nerdy Show podcasts via the iTunes store. And for the latest news, follow us on all your favorite social networks. I do take longer than 10 minutes to prepare. I'm just... <laughs> Occasionally, I've walked in like I have no idea what's happening today, guys. So this will be fun. Wait, do we? Is that is that true? Do we have Galdap Junior on the line with us presently? Hi. Oh, hi. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> Mopkins. Welcome, Mopkins. Galdap Junior. All of it. So, my biggest question for this stream is, Cap, where did you get your wonderful outfit? Oh God, the one I'm wearing right now. Yeah, with the whole black gloves, all black. You know, you look like a goth in summer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand up so you can see this. I think it'll become plainly apparent why I'm wearing this particular outfit a little bit later in the show. Trust me, I wouldn't be wearing this outfit in a hot studio if I could help it. So, uh, <laughs> let's see. The dress came from uh, maybe Macy's. I don't know. And then, and then this, this came from Party City. So <laughs> you're a classy date. <laughs> Fancy. Yeah, I'm gonna take it to the red carpet pretty soon. Uh, Mopkins, you got any other questions while while you're here? Nah, I didn't think that far ahead. All right, well, call back <laughs> later. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.